Welcome, welcome all to the Pro Football Radio Podcast. This is your co-host, JT Miller, the pride of Gloria, Grandma, and the Pro Football Radio Senior Contributor, Eric Burgess, a.k.a. The Bird. Now, welcome in, Podcast 93, Game of the Year, Brady versus Belichick, Tampa Bay versus New England. How many more ways can I describe this game? <laughs> Tom Brady returns to the house that Brady built. Let's just be honest. Yes, that, sir. That, yes, like, sir. That, that's, that's the storyline, and that's kind of what I was alluding to to our earlier uh, earlier podcast is going to be in the feed. Uh, this is the this is the game of the week. This is all everybody's been talking about. And let's be honest, this is really all anybody's been talking about since last week. Like they've all marked this Sunday night football, Tampa, mm-hmm. New England, Brady, Belichick, go, go, Brady, old man, let's go. Let's be honest. We just finished up the recording of our other week, uh, week four podcast, and you know we were talking before we got on. We were like, "Let's just get to this podcast. This is the biggest one for you know, you yeah. know the the warfare between Jay Chima and I. It's been going on in the DMs like you wouldn't even know. You know, on Twitter we go back and forth, just heated arguments. Puma coming in, dropping grenades, running away. You know, yeah, that's that's just how it works. You know, the Miami fan who loves seeing the Patriots in turmoil. You know, <laughs> I mean, I'm honest. not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. Welcome let's to be, life as a regular NFL franchise, motherfucker. <laughs> let's be honest. Talking about this game, I, I have a really strong feeling that this game, in terms of rate, TV ratings, is going to beat some of the previous Super Bowls that have occurred mm-hmm. in, in recent I memory. That. I and, that. you know, it's a, there's a reason NBC is charging so much for, you know, advertisements and commercials during this game. It is the game of the year. Brady's coming back to, yes, the house that Brady built. I have said that for a long time, and it's still the case. And, you know, it, it, it's probably going to be the last time Brady plays in New England. So... I'm looking forward to the game. It's going to be fun. Sunday night, you know, Sunday night football is the best. Uh, you know, it's going to be fun. Well, it's funny because, like, this has a build-up to a Super Bowl. It doesn't feel like a regular season game. I mean, we mm-hmm. have reporters from New England going down last week. Tommy Kern moved down from Boston to Tampa last week, and he's spending 10 days down there just to get a feel for the team before they all come back up north uh, for the game. So the, the build-up, the hype... I mean, it doesn't get any bigger than this, and I think we're in for a treat Sunday night. And I think a lot of people are saying it's going to be a blowout, but I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be one of those games where, you know, the expectation going in is that Tampa is going to roll and New England is going to have a tough time keeping up. And usually when the expectation is that high, it never really pans out the way the game is built up. So I'm excited. We're all excited. Let's get into this. You guys ready to do this? Oh, yes. Well, all let's right. fucking go! So the two and one Tampa Bay Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going up to Foxborough to play the one and two New England Patriots. Tampa Bay is coming off a little bit of a beatdown as they lost to the uh, the Los Angeles Rams last week. 34-24 was the final score. And the main storyline out of that game was Matthew Stafford did whatever he wanted against that porous defense. He was moving the ball at will. Uh, on the other end, New England is coming off of a 28-13 loss to the Saints in probably one of the worst games I've seen the Patriots play. Uh, I know, Bird, you mentioned that it was definitely one of the worst performances you've seen uh, in a game where I really can't point to anything good that the Patriots did. Offense, defense, coaching, all the way around, I think it was a bad performance. So, 
you know, that's the, the build up to this game. And I'm going to turn it over to you guys to get your guys' analysis and give me a, a prediction of who's going to win this game. Uh, Burge, you got the floor first. All right. So I watched uh, the entirety of both Tampa Bay, Los Angeles last week. And uh, obviously, you know, the resident Homer Patriots fan, uh, I watched the all the uh, Saints-New England game. Now, Jay, you kind of hit it on the head when it comes to talking about the New England-New uh, Orleans game. I think we texted each other in the group chat prior to the game. We were like, we're confident. We're confident in this game. The Patriots are going to have, you know, be able to do what they're going to do. They're going to take away Alvin Kamara. And the Saints aren't going to have another answer for that. And, you know, boy, were we wrong uh, to have that feeling going into the game. The Patriots did nothing right. You know, this this is up there with uh, in terms of uh, brutal performances with the, uh, the San Francisco game last year for me. And, uh, you know, the game that we had the emergency podcast after the Rams game last year, mm-hmm. that it was just absolutely brutal. Nothing good from the top down coaching, offense, defense, even special teams was absolutely brutal. Uh, I, I can't take anything good from it. And, you know, uh, for me, the biggest the two biggest disappointments in this game for me were the Patriots offensive line. They, they were billed as an elite unit coming into the year. You know, we expected that. And they have been the exact polar opposite of that. And for a rookie quarterback back there and a team that is, you know, set up to basically run the ball most of the time to set up the pass, they have been absolutely atrocious. Let Mac Jones has been hit, I think, up there. I think he's like the third most, uh, most quarterback hits out of the league. Um, you know, through three weeks. You can't have that with, with, with a rookie quarterback. And, you know, the second one was, you know, my guy, my favorite free agent signing of the Patriots, John o. Smith, played probably the worst game that, you know, you could ever see out of a pass catcher. Um, you know, that being said, he, I, I don't expect it to, you know, you know, him to be that for, you know, the duration of the season. Like, we are three weeks in, but that was one of the worst performances I've ever seen. I think he had, what was it, four drops, uh, and, and, of course, he gifted the, the Saints the pick six at the beginning of the second half in that game, which pretty much sealed the deal at that point. You know, the Patriots had a chance coming out of half to, you know, make it a game at that point, and he basically gifted a uh, gifted six points to, to the Saints. So nothing good coming out of the New England game. You know, Alvin Kamara, while he was held pretty well in the running game, considering how much the Saints tried to run him, it they blew up an absolute. They had an absolute blown coverage on a touchdown pass that, you know, you think you think going into the game that you know Kamara's their best guy. They're gonna take him away. Clearly, they didn't do that on that play, and there was some sort of miscommunication, whatever. But you know, it was just abysmal on all fronts. You know, I felt you know ruined the rest of my night. Uh, you know, altogether, and it can only go up from here at this point. I I can't see it getting worse. I don't know how it can get worse with both teams being with uh, with all three units being brutal. I can't see it happening. But yeah. on the Tampa Bay side, real quick, uh, I'll just touch on it and, real quick. And George, before before we get into that, let me just ask you a quick question because one of my main concerns also coming out of the Saints game was the terrible play of the offensive line. I mean, that was my number one blame pie sector was the offensive line, whether it's Haran, Kajus, Durant, Andrews, all of them have played bad this whole year. The only one that I can praise is a Wenyu who's played decent. 
Um, so why do you think that offensive line is having such struggles when coming into the season it was such a highly touted uh, part of the team, whether it's PFF rankings or any rankings you saw or any kind of like mm-hmm. expert that was talking about the Patriots, they alluded to the fact that this Patriots team can have good offensive line play, which would help the def- uh, which will help the uh, running attack in a young rookie uh, rookie quarterback. Now, now I think part of it is, um, you know, they they are missing Trent Brown. He played, I think, one series uh, in, against the Dolphins in Week One. He's been out. Uh, by by no means am I saying that that is a reason that this this unit is atrocious. Uh, part of it is too, you know, they've got a new signal caller back there. You know, the Patriots' offense is predicated on the quarterback. You know, adjusting the protections for the offensive line. You know, I think that's part of it. It's growing pains with Mac Jones. Um, you know, seeing the field and, you know, adjusting protection. But I, I just think it's just all, you know, they don't have Dante Skarnecchia, uh with the team this year as well. And so I, I, I would say probably my big, my first one, my first point on that would be the coaching of the offensive line. I think that they are not, uh, you know, adjusting appropriately. And, I, and the second thing is I, I just think that the unit itself, uh, as the offense as a whole, needs to gel a bit more. Now, you can make the argument that the offensive line is returning, what, four starters from from last year uh, with Mason, Wynn, you uh, and Andrews. So it shouldn't be in that situation. So I put a lot of onus on the players, too. You know, they're just getting beat. I mean, they're just getting pushed around, and you, you can't have that happen. Mm-hmm. And I you think, um, so Scott Zolak made a great point on the radio the other day about how, you know, for 20 years, Tom Brady was a signal call all across the board. And now you've got a rookie quarterback and essentially to help the rookie quarterback out, David Andrews has taken on some of the onus of calling out protections. There was a couple yep. times in the game on, on uh, Sunday against the Saints where David Andrews looking back at him, telling him to slow down, let me call this protection. So I wonder if that you know synergy between Mac Jones and Andrews isn't there just yet. And that's part of the issue of why the offensive line is playing so bad. No, I, I, I agree with you there, and and I think Andrews played probably one of his worst games in this game against the Saints. Um, you know, you know, he had a couple of penalties out there, a couple of holding calls. So, you know, I think there's that's definitely a, uh, you know, a, a viable explanation as to what's going on that they haven't gelled yet, and I think that will come in time. But you know, the team for this season doesn't have time. They need to figure it out. Mm-hmm. This was the team that was supposed to be the strength. They were supposed to be the. Uh, they were supposed to be able to run the ball. They were going to be a run-heavy team coming into the year, and they just they they've been getting pushed around by, you know, mediocre you know defensive lines. I mean, I know the Saints had Cam Jordan, but outside of that, I mean, they haven't played any anything legit on the on the defensive um, defensive side there. Yeah. So, yeah, I want to see that come. Yeah, and one last point on the offensive line, and then we'll kind of move on. I just like the flow we have right now. You know, the the offensive line. It, it has a symbiotic relationship with the quarterback and, and how well they perform. And, and at this moment, Mac Jones is too young for us to make any sort of, you know, hard stances on his physical play. On the football field, he's just trying to do his best. And it's, you know, only three games in for the kid. But Mac is compounding the issue a little bit because he's not recognizing where the blitz is coming from. He's a little bit unsure. Sometimes he's stepping into it when he should be stepping to the side or to the left or the right. So I think, you know, that in itself is also causing some issues. Um, but at, like I said earlier, I mean, at this point, he's like way down the list compared to some of the other stuff that's wrong with this team right now. Sure, but absolutely. Ahead, 
Sure, sure, absolutely. And and one of my biggest my biggest criticisms of of all, you know this will be on the coaching staff is not adjusting after the you know even against the Jets like they they were not they were not good and I, I think we remember talking you know I at least I think I said this in my you know my period of irrational reaction ap- immediately following the game is no worst, you were no, irrational I, I, no I have my irrational <laughs> period. After the day, the hours after the game, and Monday morning, I wake up rational. That's how we I what, what he means by irrational is he's standing on top of the roof of the house and Chantel's no, 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 Okay, toss that grenade, toss that grenade. All right, oh god. Hey, I gotta get no. it edgewise a little bit. It's fine. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, like I, you know, after the first game, I, I, I was really of the mindset where you have a a veteran center who has played guard. Uh, backing up David Andrews and Ted Karras. He went, you know, he, he played center for the Patriots during uh, when Andrews was hurt. I believe it was in 2019. And, you know, he went to the Dolphins for a year and he came back. And last year you had uh, Wenyu playing right tackle for a majority of the year uh, because, you know, they were forced into that situation with Marcus Cannon opting out. Um, so my biggest criticism is why have they not adjusted the personnel on the offensive line especially with Trent Brown being out to where mm-hmm. putting Michael Wenyu out at right tackle and, and sliding Ted Karras into, into the guard position, to left guard position uh, on that offensive line. So I want to get your thoughts on that. I'm sorry. I, I, I totally, I totally blanked out there for a second. I was, I was catching up on my notes. What was the question again? I'm sorry. No, my question was like, why have they not adjusted the personnel on the offensive line in Trent Brown's absence, sliding a Wenyu out to right tackle and putting Ted Karras in at left guard? I really have no idea, and Bird, we talked about this before we jump on the pod. Like, we you know, as fans, this is where we, sitting at home, don't really understand what's happening, right? Because a lot of times with offensive play and how so many things can go so wrong, it could be bad coaching, it could be bad, you know, fundamentals on the player itself, it could be the quarterback is exacerbating the situation. And I think at this moment in time, if I had to guess, it's probably the coaching and the fact that the rookie quarterback himself is having some issues. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of times when you have a mobile quarterback – the offensive line looks better because your mobile quarterback can get out of those situations, right? He can buy himself mm-hmm. time. And with Max's lack of, uh, of you know, mobility, I, I think that compounded with the bad coaching is why we're seeing just so many bad you know, mistakes and mental errors by the offensive line. Hey, Mac Jones was a leading rusher last week. Let's not forget that point. <laughs> yeah. He also he threw built- the ball 53 times, and he hasn't thrown that, <laughs> the ball that much since college. I, 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 I saw the stat the other day, I think when – he was at Alabama, you know, backing up Tua and then backing up Jalen Hurts. In two games, that you know, his entire career in Alabama, he threw the ball more than 40 times. Mm-hmm. The, like, you're not going to win a football game with Mac Jones throwing the ball 50-plus times. Like, that, that is not how this offense is built to function. Like, they're built to run the football. And the fact that, you know, they kind of went away from Damian Harris, in my opinion. And, you know, you have Mac Jones running for his life out there. Like, Mac Jones should not be leading the team in rushing. Like, yeah. that is a massive no, absolutely. problem. Well, yeah, that's nor, should, nor should he be thrown 53 times. Nor should he be thrown mm-hmm. 53 times mm-hmm. in a game. Well, that's where it starts and ends with the offensive line. And, you know, this is one of the stats I was uh, running by you guys before we jump on the podcast. You know, Damon Harris, I mean, one of our fundamentals of our team was going to be the ability to run the ball. And hopefully, Mac Jones can do the, the bootleg off of that. 
so far, Damien Harris in one game has been absolutely non-existent, right? Damien mm-hmm. Harris has had two big plays in week one and week two. That was 35 yards in the first play of the season, and then 29 yards in week two. Otherwise, he's carried the ball 43 times for 112 yards, which translates to about 2.6 yards per carry. That's, That's absolutely atrocious. I mean, you mm-hmm. you cannot win football games when your running attack isn't living up to the hype that it's supposed to be when coming to see one of the one of the strongest of that team. And it's not helping out that rookie quarterback. And that's number one in itself, the biggest issue with the Patriots. And moving further down the line, for me, the second biggest issue with the Patriots right now is just Bill Belichick and the GM and the coaching, right? So whatever, however you want to slice that up, I know you're going to hit it from the Josh McDaniels angle. I'm going to hit it from the Bill Belichick angle. Whatever it is, it's the coaching on that team is just bad right now. Because I, I have never recognized a Patriots team that's made this many mental errors on the field. We're talking about bad penalties. We're talking about not getting lined up properly. We all saw on the last touchdown the Saints um, scored, there's only 10 players on the field. So I, I don't, I'm not trying to just big like who's blamed on the coaching staff for Bill or Josh. I don't care about that right now. The, the GM and the, the coaching staff, whoever it is that got these players on the field, have done a shit job of, of putting this team together. Well, no, so I mean, mean that too. Like, real quick, not to slow the bus down, like, losing James White for the season is a big. massive, huge, massive huge. problem. Like, mm-hmm. he was the escape valve, like, break glass in case of emergency, third and long, dump off. And, you know, it, it was death taxes, James White getting a wheel route out the backfield to get mm-hmm. you the first down. That is a massive, massive problem for this offense. And, and you know, Jay, to piggyback, like, you know, there's a lot of blame to go around with the coaching staff. And I heard, you know, the comparison that, you know, Bill runs it like he's the CEO kind of coach, right? But, like... Mm-hmm. You know, the buck stops with him if that's the case. Like we can all we can all bitch about Josh McDaniels and the offensive play calling. And maybe he they he was listening to some of the callers into WEI or ninety eight five because he was making it a point to push mm-hmm. the ball down the field and it wasn't working at all. Like Nelson Aguilar didn't get any separation. Uh, Kendrick Bourne like finally showed up a little bit. John Smith, stone hands, Hunter Henry moves like me sometimes, like it just it wasn't working at all. I don't know, like that clearly that can't all just be because James White left the game. Like, there is a massive problem in this coaching staff. And I just don't know if, you know, it's the veterans aren't listening to the music coming out of the jukebox anymore. Are they making business decisions? Like the old man's wrong, Josh McDaniels is wrong. Like maybe you guys can speak to that more because you guys are into the Pats more than me. But there is a massive coaching problem from well, all facets of the game. Yeah, and the James White angle is important because he essentially became that safety blanket for Mac Jones, right? Like, for a while there, we thought one of the tight ends was going to be Hunter Henry or John Smith is going to be that safety blanket. It actually be, ended up being um, James White. Some of the best throws that Mac Jones has had for three games has been to James White. So that's, you know, that's that's going to be a massive, you know, hurdle we have to get over. But... Puma, I really don't know Puma, and, and this is where you know me and Birds differ on how we view the team. I truly believe Bill Belichick has gone to a point where I think he's lost it, man. Like I really don't think he has it anymore to keep up with today's game. Now, obviously, this could all change, and they can go on a run and win ten straight games, and everything is fine. But so far, ever since Tom Brady has left, and I'm not even going to bring up you know the Brady years or the Cleveland years. But since Bill, since Tom Brady has left uh, the start of last year, so 2020, he ended up going seven and nine, and then one and two this year. Probably could be one and three. 
Like so far, we haven't seen anything out of Bill Belichick to give us confidence they can turn this team around. And I know, bro, you, you see it differently, but like I, I, I'm at a loss for words that this team looks so bad, making so many mental errors. That's the thing that pisses me off the most is I understand that your quarterback can't lead you to 40 points a game right now or your defense can't hold down somebody to 17 points on a weekly basis. It is week three. I get that. But the fact that they're making those small penalties over and over again those not getting lined up properly we had issues last year getting lined up i don't know if you run this bridge but a lot of those games last year there weren't enough people out there or people were rotating and it just wasn't proper there's something there to be said the fact that these guys can't even get lined up properly yeah no i you know lining up prop that's 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 all that's solely on the coaching staff whether you want to you know you want to blame bill at the top on this or you want to blame the fact that he had put his kids in 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 high high ranking positions on the coaching staff? That's a problem or, too. Or, or, uh, you know, <laughs> nepotism is a problem, and uh, you know, I'm not going to disagree with that. But you know, getting back real quick to the James White thing, the biggest thing they're going to miss from him, you know, aside from being a safety blanket on the screen pass, dump off, check down, whatever you want to call it, pass is going to be his pass blocking, his mm-hmm. pass yep. protection. That, that's the reason Damian Harris got sat down in this game was because he missed, I think, two blocks uh, you know, in the backfield. It ended up resulting in either Mack getting hit or getting sacked. And you know, this team needs to figure out the pass blocking out of the backfield, whether it's uh, you know, finally getting you know, Ramondre Stevenson out of the doghouse, which I think we're going to see this week because they have to. They don't have a choice. Or you know, whether or not we're going to be subjected to seeing Brandon Bolden playing in the backfield for oh boy. you know, you know, offensive snaps. And if that happens, I'm going to blow my brains out. I, I, I he is a special <laughs> Baby, teamer, and that do is it. it. Baby, don't do it. <laughs> no, th- uh, that is it. That is it. That is all he should be doing is sitting on special teams. And I, I don't want to. You know, yeah, I, I, I got a good friend of mine that you know, you know, him and I go way back watching Patriots games, and you know, it's like we, we have this saying: "We're like, don't be a Brandon." Don't be a Brandon. Oh, and it's because of Brandon Bolden back in like 2012 was was out there being on offensive snaps and he was out there and he was brutal. It's like don't be a Brandon at this point. But subtle, you know, subtle shot of Brandon the Puma Silva. I was like, bingo, I'm bingo. I'm like, don't be a Brandon. All right, motherfucker. You. you got you got That's something gonna, to say. All right, that, I'm 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 gonna build on that in the future. So thank there you, Jay. I appreciate that. Wait, I appreciate thanks. that. Uh, subtle shot. <laughs> I love no, it. I love but, it. But, but 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 getting back to the penalties and you know, you know not lining up on defense is absolutely on the coaching staff. I'm not gonna deny that. And you know you know Jay Jay you and I you know will agree on this, but we we, we disagree on on the level of, of action that should be taken. Uh, because of this and you know I ultimately think that they're going to figure it out uh, in, in that aspect uh, in terms of you know lining up properly and you know figuring out the penalties but yes that has been a massive problem but, this team has got can I ask you a quick question like uh, that's like football 101 like I agree I, I agree I don't, I'm I don't not gonna disagree. We should be I don't think we should allow this to happen for a year and a half now like there like there were legitimately multiple times last year where we're like are they lined up properly? Oh, shit, they're not. And, and I thought that was going to go away with this year with new free agents coming in and you have a full off season and you have preseason games. There's no more COVID. To do. Well, there's less COVID restrictions this year. I, I thought that simple stuff would be fixed. And where I'm sitting right now, it's the same thing as last year. Like, we're no better. Well, let me I mean, let me build off that real quick. I'm, I'm sorry. Let me just jump toss in Toss a grenade. Go toss go a grenade. I'm going to ask you two guys this question. I, I want a yes or a no. Let's stop pussyfooting around here. Do you guys think Jay built up based off that stat? We saw what happened last year, and they're still having a problem lining up. 
Are they tuning out the coaching staff? No. I think they are. I think they are. Yeah. All right, Burns, let's go. I think, think, and this is a bigger conversation, but I think that... I get cut off. Sorry, Burns, 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 go. (laughs) Go ahead. Go ahead. My bad. I say no, because you look at the amount of new players that have been brought into this team. All right? They've been together for what? We'll say training camp and, and three weeks in the regular season. They're not tuning out the coaching staff yet. You know, if this is still an issue in, you know, the, the last quarter of the season or last, we'll even say the last half of the season, then okay, yes, you can you can start attributing it, that to it. But right now, in terms of that, I don't think they're tuning out the coaching staff. Right, Go ahead, Jay. Jay. You, say, you say yes, why? Absolutely, man. Like, and this sounds very simple, but when you're winning – it's easy to go in on a weekly basis and take the punishment from Belichick. We all agree Belichick is not an easy guy to to work with or to be coached by, but you can always rest on the laurel that you're going to win, you're going to be in the AFC Championship game at the least, and you're going to go to the Super Bowl every other year. That's fine. You can put up with that. But I think when you're losing and you know things are bad and it's dreary and it's miserable, how, how are you gonna how are you gonna stay invested like how how are you excited about a Mac Jones who's probably gonna lead you to a eight and nine year this year like how are you gonna get up every single day for that okay. at the same time like how many you you have so many new players here that just signed here this year so you're gonna you're gonna write off three weeks into the season that they're they're tuning out the coaching staff well which I mean, a lot of those guys have been, like, so far. Are, a lot of those guys are veterans, though. It's not like you know they're. This is like their first bite at the apple. Like Matt Judon has been with you know with the Baltimore Ravens for forever, so like he's seen a lot of things. Uh, you know, Johnu Smith. Yeah, this is his first bite of the apple. But Mike Vrabel comes from the you know the Belichick Bill O'Brien tree. Like they're all he played under Bill when when he was winning. What was it like two or three Super Bowls before he jumped ship and went to being a head coach? Like. He had that kind of experience, in my opinion, down in Tennessee. Hunter Henry, we all know what Anthony Lynn is. God bless him. Great guy off the field. Really bad head coach with, you know, time management decisions. We can all agree on that. But, like, this isn't a bunch of kids that are being, you know, like in the movie Matilda no. with Mrs. Trunchbull. Like, these are, ki- these are, these are grown men. These are, ve- these are cagey veterans. I think they're about, you know, the, they're, they're about as cagey as the veterans on the Houston Texans to be, you know, coy with you guys. So, but, but they don't know what they sign up for when they sign the contract, when they know that Bill is the one signing them. They don't know what they're, they're getting into at that point. I mean, I, I know, I know the money, the num, the money aspect of it is, is 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 a different discussion. But like, you you know what the Patriots were for the last twenty years. You don't you don't think that they have an idea of, of of what Bill is at that point. I mean, come on now, they've been around the league for so long. Everybody talks. I'm sure they played with people that have been coached by Bill. Like, come on, John who played for Vrabel. Vra- mm-hmm. I'll give right? you that. I can see so, like, that. So, but, but, but so, that's so, what I'm saying. Like, they all so talk. Else, they all talk. So then what else is it? Like, like I don't keep, I don't want to keep blaring the point that lining up is something you're taught on the first day of class. Like, as a, as a, as a football, like, player 101 in Pop Warner. Like, that's as simple as it gets. And if you can't even get the players lined up, like, what else can you possibly theorize is the issue here? So, 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 so the players are scot-free on that. Not knowing football one on one to be lined up in the right place. Well, well you you just said that a few seconds ago that lining up is on the on the coaches. 
It's it's partially is yes, but like you get you get to a point where like these guys are veteran players, all right. They they've been through the NFL ranks. They've played for other organizations. They signed up to play with the probably the hardest coach to play for in the league. Mm-hmm. Like you don't know if you I, don't know your assignments at that point. Like if, if I to some of the onus has to be on some of the onus has to be on the players at that point. If I had to venture a guess, and this is just me being a blind football fan, I think the defense scheming might be too complicated because if you know, a lot of times, and I think somebody on the radio pointed this out, a lot of times these guys are looking around a little confused, trying to get communicated where they should line up. And usually when you saw on the other side with the Saints, they're just lining up and go, they're going. They're just playing fast. And a lot of times with the Patriot players, they're looking around, they're not sure. And usually when you have that doubt of the scheme and where you're supposed to be at, then you, you can't play fast and furious and free. And I think maybe the coaching staff should dumb this down a little bit. And I, and I know that's, I don't know if that's sacrilege in the mind of Belichick that he has to bring his genius level down a little bit, but he has to get to a point where his players understand what they got to do on the field in a very effective and concise manner. And to build I, I, off that, to build off that real quick, I'm, I'm sorry, Bruce. No, you're good. You're good. You're clean good. feed delay. But mm-hmm. to build off that real quick, like I was watching one of my favorite 30 for 30s is the 85 Bears. And there's a, a scene where um, Mike Singletary was talking about he was just being part of the, the 46 defense from Buddy Ryan. And a lot of players weren't grasping that. And he went to Buddy and was like, listen, we need to make this playbook concise we there's just so much stuff going on right now like we can't compute all of this you know essentially dumb it down and buddy listened and that defense just look what they did like look what that Mm -hmm. 85 bears defense and i'm not saying the new england patriots could be the 85 bears that is not a fair comparison at all but at some point you need to be able to step back and as a coaching staff whether it's bill whether it's gerard mayo whatever you have to step back Get the totality of the picture and understand what is actually going on. Like, why did it look like on tape maybe Matt Judon made a business decision when he didn't cover or didn't funnel Alvin Kamara over to Kyle Van Noy's side on that on that busted coverage play for the touchdown? But then the, the other aspect of, uh, of things, too, is... Is this defense fast? Like, are they fast no. enough to play no, fast like not. the Saints? No, they're not. No, they're not. They're because not. That's, no. because fundamentally, Bill Belichick doesn't believe in that. He believes in big, fast, physical linebackers, right? I'm sorry, big physical linebackers who generally aren't fast, right? He he thinks the Devin Whites of the world or the the what's the guy the Queen kid out of uh, Baltimore. Uh, oh, Patrick. Patrick, Patrick Queen. Well, yeah, Patrick Queen. Like he thinks that that doesn't fit into his scheme of big bruising linebackers that you know essentially run downhill and that's my bigger point of Belichick loves to essentially coach in this romantic way of you know back in the 80s of big physical like you know up and down downhill running kind of attacks and that's just not what the NFL is nowadays the NFL is a side-to-side speed game and, and that's why I say he kind of is losing it a little bit in regards to where this game is going and where it is right now. Puma, to, to build off what you said about dumbing down the playbook, I think they absolutely need to do that. They did it on mm-hmm. offense last year with Cam Newton. They did. Right? They dumbed it right down to the point where they put him in in, in plays that he knew how to run. And I and I do think that this, that's an adjustment that this defense needs to make. They are not fast. We all agree on the fact that they're not fast. I mean, Dante Hightower, I think, got sat down in this game uh, against the Saints. So, mm-hmm. like, you know, they do need to dumb it down. And... Uh, it, it needs to happen, and you know, 
am I gonna go doom and gloom about the the game has passed Bill Belichick over because of that? No, absolutely not. I'm not gonna get to that point yet. I'm not there. Uh, you know, I'll be there like like I've been consistent with on on talking about all this for the last year since I joined you guys is that 2022 is a year where you're going to, you're really going to put the hammer down on Bill Belichick. And I know, I know Jay, you're going to disagree with me on that. And that, you know, we'll, we'll get into that. I'm sure later on, but you know, you have a bunch of new guys out there. I mean, you know, Kyle Van Noy knows what the Patriots are. And I think that's why you saw him signaling Judon there on that Kamara play to be like, Hey, let's go. We got to adjust. This is what's going to happen. Because Van you know, Noy got left out to dry. Like, absolutely I don't follow did. that team a lot, but, he like, did. looking at the game, like, I was watching it while I was at work. Man, th- like, my socks weren't as dry as Matt, as uh, as Kyle Van Noy on a clothesline. That dude got right. hung out it, straight up. It, and at the same time, like, do you really th- – Jay, I'll ask you this question. Do you really think Bill Belichick is – so bad of a head coach, and 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 Gerard Mayo is so bad of like calling a defense that they're going to leave the one player that the Saints have out there to dry uh, wide open for a walk-in touchdown. I I think that would be disingenuous to say. I think it would, and you know, and and and, and I agree with you, Puma, when it comes to this that they they may have to start dumbing this down in terms of their scheme which will work in, at the end of the day, I think, against them, and it's because they have a bunch of new guys that need to gel together. Yeah. Well, let's move this forward and talk some X's and O's because this defense is going to have to try and slow down uh, the savior, the godlike figure that is Tom Brady rolling up into Gillette. And and I was talking about this with Bird, you know, like what is the tactic that Bill Belichick is going to take here? Is it going to be a tactic of, well, listen, we're going to rush forward, we're going to flood the zones, and we're gonna hope that our you know defensive line you know gets to him and you know uh, causes him to move move off his spot. You know if if that's the case, then they better get there and try to move off the stop, or else they're gonna uh, Brady. I'm sorry, Brady's gonna absolutely pick apart that uh, that zone. So in your guys' mind, like what what do you think is gonna be the tactic here that Bill Belichick is gonna take moving into this game? Honestly, ten hail marys because I mean I mean really like ten hail marys and rosary beads. I mean, if you go to zone, Brady's going to pick you apart. And if you go to man, God bless you with, you know, Godwin and Mike Evans. Jalen Mills. Antonio Brown's going to be back. Your favorite player, Jalen Mills. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know, dude. I Honestly, it's it's going to have to be pressure on the front four. Like, the front four is going to have to get home, and they're going to have to. I, I, I heard this a couple of places today and this is kind of talk that was going back to the Washington football team game uh, in the playoffs where everyone including myself was like if Chase Young, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen if they can get up in his face up the middle and just put pressure on them they they have a puncher's chance and that didn't happen maybe they didn't show up maybe the, the Bucks offensive line is that good to weather the storm but I think that's going to have to be the blueprint is the front four is going to have to get in Brady's face and get at his feet and whatever happens, happens. And you're just going to have to live and die that way. Well, I mean, that's, yeah, that's, so- that's easier said than done, right? I mean, at the end of the day, that's always the book on Brady is you try to get in his face. And, you know, the problem is, though, he gets the ball out so quick in 2.5 mm-hmm. seconds that it, it doesn't matter what kind of rush you're bringing, right? Um, right. And, and let's say... You know, if he gets the ball out so quick, you've got to eventually disguise some stuff before snap to to post snap to essentially, you know, um, fool him a little bit. But once you're doing that with a team that has issues getting lined up, I feel like that could cause even more issues. You feel me? Like it's it seems to be this this bigger issue with the Patriots in itself that whatever they're going to try to do on Sunday might not work in their favor. 
Right. Burge, what were you going to say about the X's and O's? I, I, I was going to basically say that, you know, uh, Jay, you and I talked about this before, Puma, you jumped on the recording here, is that, you know, I, I, I almost think that you're going to see kind of, and I'm not saying it's going to be the same performance or anything like that, but more or less how Belichick and the Patriots defended the Rams in 2001, where you throw a bunch of DBs out there and you just let them, let them, you know, flood, flood, flood the, the secondary. Uh, the Bucks have not given any inclination that they are they can effectively run the ball all year, so I think that the the Patriots may end up trying to bait the uh, the Bucks to run the ball. And you know, with me saying that, I think that you know Brady is going to tell you know his buffoon of a coach coaching staff that he's got down there that this is what they're going to try to do. They're going to try to you know. Take away your strength and make you make you beat beat them in a different spot. And let's be honest, the running game for the Bucks has been atrocious this year, mm-hmm. and you know they they have not proven that they can effectively run it. Obviously, Brady has put up you know you know out of this world numbers so far through three games. Uh, you know with that team down there. You know despite despite the game that they had last week, I, I'm pretty sure Brady threw for what like 400 and something yards in that game. Like yeah, yeah. So like. It's almost it's almost got a a vibe for me that we're gonna get a bend don't break type of game plan from the Patriots defense in this game where they're gonna I I'm not gonna be surprised if you see them give him the short passes and let him dip and dunk all the way down the field and hope and and, and basically bank on your defense stopping in the goal line. Yeah, and quick and, question on that. Uh, do you, and I'm sorry to cut you off there. No, you're good. They're uh, Brady is 62 yards away from passing Drew Brees for the all time record. Um, in regards to passing yardage, do they stop the game and do something for him? And secondly, I got the Mountain Dew flowing as well. <laughs> oh my God! No, I don't. I think it'll be quick, and you know, I think it would be an insult to the Patriots team players that are on the field in that game if they make a whole big to do about this thing in, in in their home stadium. Yes, Brady left the team, but let's be honest: not many of these these players on the Patriots team have a real stock in the whole. Bill versus Brady thing. Like, you got a lot of new guys here. You know, you have the Matt Slaters, you have Devin McCourty's, you know, you have a lot of these guys that, you know, don't have a lot invested in the whole Brady Bill debate. So I think it'll be quick. I think they'll do something for it. Like, it'll be like a quick celebration. It'll be quick, but it's not going to be anything like extravagant, like, like what you saw from like Peyton Manning when he broke the touchdown record and all that, and Drew Brees when he broke the passing record in his home stadium. I don't think you're going to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your second question again? I you know I tuned that oh, out. I opened my Mountain Dew. It was flowing. Oh, okay. Was, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> I'll say I think Bob Kraft is going to be on board with doing not like a freaking Saints half hour esque extravaganza. It was like eighteen minutes, wasn't it? <laughs> I think so. I mean, it was close to half hour. I mean, yeah. I, eighteen to eighteen to thirty minutes. But I think something's going to happen. I think Bob Kraft wants to be kept kind of in, in in good favor with with Tom. I think he'll he'll do him a solid, and you know we'll probably get to Bob Kraft and the whole Bill versus Brady relationship later on in the pod. But that that is my opinion. Is I think something like that magnitude would happen in Foxborough because whether or not it's gonna... and let's and let's like let's just be honest. Like th- this came up a lot today on Boston radio and other media outlets. Tom never had a chance to say goodbye. Mm-hmm. So, like, this might be, 
like, yeah, I broke the passing record in your house, but like I, I did it in the house that I fucking built for Christ's sake. Now I'll say that real quick, real quick, Jay, before you go on this, I just, I, I, he will do it, but I don't think it's going to be in Brady's interest to do it. Like we, we all hear about Brady about how, like, you know, he doesn't like the spotlight. He's not. He's not like uh, into that whole thing. I I really don't think that he's he's gonna want that. I think he's gonna want the game to move on and to and, and to play. So I think that that's gonna play into it as well. And it's gonna be very early in this game. It may even be the first drive for all we the know. The first drive so, for Christ's sake, throwing a ground. Yeah, well, well, if I was that's, that, uh, that's where like, I think. If no, I was no, Belichick, I would send out all the guys with single digit numbers. Really freak him out. Really, really <laughs> throw Brady off his game. <laughs> No, if I was Belichick, I, I and you know the weasel that he is, I I would send somebody okay. over. I would send somebody over to check uh, those footballs on the side of the uh, of Tampa Buccaneers. That would really, really get into Brady's head, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, Brady came out and said it. I mean, it, it very well could be a thing. I mean, they have what three guys on defense that that have single digit numbers and Bentley, who may not even play in this game. Judon and Mills, and we all know how how I think. All three of us feel about Jalen Mills, uh, you know, with the Patriots. So welcome aboard, Puma. Puma congratulations! I'm going to give you that one. So what did I tell you? Good, go ahead, Jay. Go. Well, you are you were right about you were right about that. And uh, listen, in regards to who I think needs to step up the most, obviously it's going to be those interior defensive linemen. It's going to be those you know Barmores, Gotchow, Guy, mm-hmm. all those guys. If those guys have a massive game, that's when obviously the Patriots have a real shot. Um, you know, you bring Uche and Juron off the edges. That doesn't really ma- that doesn't really matter. Brady is so good in the pocket. He moves up, moves left, moves right. He can easily elude edge pressure. But that up the middle pressure is obviously going to be key here. And and to give you my prediction on the game, I think the Buccaneers are going to win. It's going to be much closer than people expect because I- I'm of the belief that. It never pans out the way the narrative is set up because everybody knows that the the Patriots look down right now. The Buccaneers look like they're defending Super Bowl champs, obviously. It's going to come in and be a 50-point bloodbath. I mean, obviously, in a perfect world, I'd love that. But it, the way it's going to pan okay. out, it's going to be a 32-24 to kind of game with the Bucs winning it in my mind. Puma, you next. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the Buccaneers winning. I mean, they're they're seven point favorites right now on our unofficial official sports book, DraftKings sports book. Um, seven point favorites. The over under is at forty nine. Um, I am gonna be completely transparent. I am here for the freaking, you know, Al Pacino scent of a woman. Drop that grenade. Drop that grenade. Scent of a woman scene where he says, "If I I take a flamethrower to this place." I think I think Tom is going to make it a point. I think Bruce Arians is going to make it a point too. Of okay, like we're going to run the score up. Like if if it's out of hand, I don't think they're going to call the dogs off. I I expect it to be a a blowout. I don't think it's going to be pretty. And you know we can all agree that the secondary for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers can be beaten, especially since Sean Murphy Bunting isn't there. He's on IR. Uh, they haven't looked the same through three weeks. But the fact of the matter is, 
you know, Mac Jones isn't having enough time to get the ball down the field. And when he is, his receivers aren't getting any separation or, or, you know, they're bobbling the, the ball that caused an interception, whatever. I just, I, I don't, I don't see it happen happening. And I will, if I, I will take the L, I will have a big investment on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to cover seven. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong and whatever it happens, but I am here for the, bloodbath at foxborough sticking it to the old man especially bruce arians he is that he is that type of dude to me like he is going to look out for his guys and uh let's go i'm here for it what's the final score puma oh god um over under is 40 nights i don't know 30 to uh jesus 35 to like if new england can get 17 points i'll call that a small victory okay okay look at that look at what has happened that that puma the biggest brady hater i knew is actively rooting for tom brady wow what world do we live in what world do we live in? <laughs> all <laughs> right comes at you fast all right <laughs> look look at what's happened here birds puma is rooting for tom brady wow that doesn't surprise me because, like, actually, you know what? Actually, it does surprise me because Puma likes to root for his division rivals. Let's be honest. There we go. All right? There we go. He likes to root for his division rivals, and just because the Patriots had all that success, he hates them. But, look, uh, going into this game, like, this this needs to be a game the Patriots need to have. I, I think this is a game that the Patriots need to have more than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, in terms of their season this year, um, I I have the Patriots covering the seven points. I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna um, I'm not gonna doubt the fact that they're gonna come up with some first half game plan to, to defend Tom Brady like they have done against the Kansas City Chiefs and all these other teams where they come out and they have this 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 amazing scripted game plan uh, for the defense to to limit the offense in this game and then leave it up to adjustments in the second half to 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 kind of limit it again. I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think. And you know, I'm going to take the Patriots uh to cover the wow. 7 points. I'm not okay. I'm not going to I'm not going to tell them to that, say that they're going to win the game. But you, you know, I, it, they cover the 7 points, I'm going to be very happy. Um you know, and Parker agrees with me on this. I'll just throw that out there. My my little boy agrees with me on this. Hey, wait a second. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. His name is not Parker. He's Sharp Parker. Shark Parker. Shark, shark. or Sharp? Sharp. Sharp. Sharp yep. Parker agrees with me on this. He was definitive from the beginning. There was no bias involved in this. Here we go. You can ask. You can ask. You probably my put like five snacks on New England. I should. I want chain I, of custody on these picks. Okay. I want to see where it broke down. Uh, (laughs) listen listen i really do believe that they're going to have some first half game plan in this game where they're going to limit the the bucks uh we'll say to to two touchdowns 14 points you know and i know that's not saying a lot given you know in the grand scheme of things but i think that they will be in the game at halftime and then it will be up to the coaching staff and the players to execute in the second half uh and I, i i I'm going to pick the Bucks to win, but I believe that the Patriots will cover the seven points. Okay, so uh, 32-24 is my score. Puma's 35-17. You want to venture a guess in the final score? I'm going to go... Uh, I'm going to say 
to 21. No, nah, actually, disregard. That's not that's seven points, isn't it? I'm going. That's a push. It's not a loss. <laughs> actually, I think they might even cover. As long as they don't lose by more than seven, it's good. I, 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 you put me on a spot. I didn't come up with a score in this game. 28. 31. 31. 28. 31. 28. There you go. Sounds good. Sounds good. They're going to put up 28 points? God bless you. Gets that secondary? Yes. Yeah, and... Um, so I do believe this could be a big Mac Jones day. Uh, I was talking to Burge before you jumped on Puma. Like that secondary for the Buccaneers is god awful. Like they're ranked last in most uh, categories. So you know, speaking of Mac Jones, and this is one of the questions I want to pose to you guys. We have three, four questions that we're going to run through here. You know, how would you grade Mac Jones through three games so far? I know Puma, you have a couple of thoughts on this as well. So I'm gonna turn the floor over to you guys, and we'll discuss Mac Jones and his performance so far. After you, Burge. Yeah, so, you know, uh, there's been a lot that I've liked that I've seen from Mac Jones through three games. I like, I liked, you know, in terms of him, you know, in the game, I like his poise in the pocket. I like that he's, he has actually tucked the ball and run a few times, which I didn't really expect to see out of him, um, you know, in this game. Um, you know, in the season, to be honest with you, because, you know, he wasn't billed as a running quarterback out of college. He was, you know, you build, build like, like the, the style that Tom Brady plays where he's a pocket passer and that's it. And, you know, I, I like, you know, his decision-making. Yes, you can call him a check down Charlie all you want, but the fact of the matter is, you know, he has not turned the ball over much. You know, again, going back to what we talked about at the Saints, I'm not going to fault him for, you know, Two of the three interceptions in that game. So the fact that he has one interception through three games, in my eyes, that you could kind of put on him, that that's a massive win. Um, the stuff that I don't like about him so far is, you know, seeing him on the sidelines and, and, and you know after that uh, Saints game where he seemed really dejected and and, and all that. And I, I, I say that now, and you know, I, I believe that is something that you know whether you want to say it's coached up or he can learn it. You know, he's an emotional player, and, and I, I think that's what it comes down to. And he needs to learn how to, uh, you know, you know, manage those emotions uh, through the season and through his career. And I, I think ultimately he will. He comes from a good pipeline uh, of coaching, and you know, he's he's in with the best coach of all. You know, in my opinion, the best coach of all time in New England. So I, I think that it ended up working out <clears throat> uh, through. The, okay. <laughs> Through three games, we'll get into that. Don't worry. In three, you know, through three games, I probably give him a C plus B minus range, just mm-hmm. because you know I want to see him take more shots. And I, and you know, going back to the Saints game, he did check into a couple of those run plays that you know were resulted in zero or negative yardage, where I would have liked to have seen the confidence out of him to you know take shots, uh, you know, towards the end zone. So C minus B plus, uh, B, I'm sorry, C minus B minus uh, C plus. Jesus Christ. C plus. This is brought B to us by Captain Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. C plus B minus through him. I, I I'm not discouraged. You know I you know he's better than I would have expected out of a rookie quarterback uh, leading this complicated offense uh, early on in the season. I'm not going to judge Burge. I've been powered by whiskey the last two episodes that we've done today. So you will be um, tonight. <laughs> I'm going to have a I'm going to have a victory uh, a victory drink for uh, for all of us after doing two episodes. By the way, first time we've done back to you know back to back pause that was not an emergency podcast fashion. So Amen. 
Um, I'm, you know, Verge, like, I'm, I'm kind of with you, like, C, I'm not gonna go, like, B minus, like, I'm in, like, the C, like, borderline C plus range, just because, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be disingenuous, I said on the pod earlier, prior to week one, like, when it came out that he won the job, I, I'll cop it, like, the dude, I said the dude looked, looked the part, he looked like he was calling the right protections, and in preseason, he was kind of, he was checking in and out of the right place and whatnot, Take it for what it, what it is. It's preseason. But, again, he looked the part. Week one, Dolphins, a winnable game. Week two, it's the Jets. Going to be honest with you, kind of lucky it was the Jets that they were playing. The New Orleans Saints were trying to find ways to lose this game, and they New England couldn't capitalize it. But getting back to the quarterback, my reason for the C you know, C, C plus borderline is it's not the talent. We, we, you know, we know it's there again. He looks the part. My concern is for what's going on in between the ears upstairs. And I didn't put a whole lot of stock in this. And I'm going to venture, I guess you guys didn't either coming into the draft and going back and reading some of the draft stuff of like, you know, the air quote, anger management issues, you know, emotional guy, the, you know, the DUI is off the field. Obviously, that's a big problem. Like, you could freaking kill somebody. But, you know, clearly nobody cared. And clearly he did whatever he needed to do to right the ship. But, like, the fact of the matter is, it is not a good look when you're the rookie quarterback. I don't care how much you love the game. If you're in a locker room full of KG veterans and they have to come up to you and console you because you basically look like you're crying on the bench because of a regular season loss... I don't know how that translates to winning over the locker room with, you know, dogs like Matt Judon or dogs like Kyle Vinoy or, or whatnot. Like if maybe this was a locker room where it was a young, you know, a young roster, let's say like the Jacksonville Jaguars or whatnot, that might fly. But like right now, I, I, I just, I don't see how he could, possibly win over the locker room at that point maybe you know i'll be i'll be happy to be pleasantly surprised if we round the corner and he's able to cope with whatever like pressure is going on there's a reason why you're getting drafted 15th overall the team wasn't good you're the successor to tom brady you're bill belichick putting you know his chips all in on you to kind of resurrect the 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 new england patriots for life after tom brady and if i mean if this is what's going to happen after a new Orleans saints game. I, I hope they get the, the kid a gurney in a straight jacket after, after this game on Sunday night football. Yeah. 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 And I think um, I'm right there with you guys as well with the physical stuff on the field. Like I have him in the middle of, of the grade at C as well. You know, I, I don't think he's a bad quarterback and I don't think he's a good quarterback either. Like I think right now he's just right in the middle. He's learning and it's way too early for us to make any sort of like, definitive stance on who he is as an NFL quarterback, right? Things that I like so far, I love his feathery touch that he has on some of his balls. He has really good touch when it comes to getting the ball over the linebackers. We've seen that a few times when those uh, those high-arcing balls come down for James White in the first couple of games. Um, he wins at the back shoulder throws. I mean, I think he, he's really good at that throw. But some of the weaknesses, man, and, and Puma, you hit it right in the head, and this is my first red flag for, for Mac Jones because of... Not just the the incident of him sitting on the bench like crying, right, and essentially having you know Bill Belichick hold his hand off the field or whatever that was, 
but it, it's it's just it seems like it's a pattern of behavior, right? It seems that he has issues controlling his emotions. And if we're going to obviously, you know, bury Tom Brady for being emotionally too high on some of those games, you know, in New England, then we obviously got to look at, at Mac Jones as well with some of his emotional issues and how that's translating to his on-field performance, right? Um, in regards to... Um, oh, I lost, lost my train of thought for a second, but... Like, I, I just... I think, I, I, exactly, right? I, I just think that, Puma, you hit on the head that if you showed that kind of... I don't want to say mental weakness just yet, but that kind of emotion all for a regular season loss, like you're crying on the sideline. Like, how is that going to look in the locker room? Like, how is that going to essentially help, you know, men follow you into battle when the guy that was here before you was one of the fiercest mentally tough people the league has ever seen, right? I mean, let's be real, 100% here. Mac Jones cannot win on his physical abilities. He just can't. He's above average in every slight. He has to win with his mental makeup. And so far, his mental makeup to me isn't there. Um, obviously, that's very early. It's three games in. Things can change, like we all said. But we're just reacting to what we have. And at the moment, I am concerned about what those guys see in him. And furthermore, the last point on this is, like, how is he going to handle Bill Belichick turning on a, a projector to show game fail in front of the whole room and then tear him a new one. Like, we know he does that on a consistent basis. He did it with Tom Brady for 20 years, and eventually after 20 years, even Tom Brady cracked. How is this kid going to handle that pressure and that fire coming his way? And that's my real question. You want me to go with that, Puma? Yeah, go for it. Hey, yeah, have at it. You got okay. the floor, brother. Now, you know, I, I like to think that, you know, with with again going back to Tom Brady in his in his early years, that you know, Belichick wasn't lighting up, you know, a young twenty two year old. Brady was was quarterbacking a veteran team at that point. I mean, you had Willie McGinnis back there, you had Teddy Bruschi. They were all veter- veterans. Larry Malloy, yeah, Ty Law, you name it. So I like to think that that was not occurring at that point. And, you know, it got to a point, you know, obviously once Brady was a veteran, it was established that 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 kind of behavior started. I don't have anything to back that up. And uh, it's just it's just kind of a gut feeling with, you know, when you're trying to build a rookie at a at the most critical position in the league. And it was back then, too, no matter, you know, how much the game has changed. It was the most critical position because the quarterback takes the ball, drives the ball down the field, and is the one that puts up the points at the end of the day, controls the offense. So I like to think that there is a, a coaching aspect to this where, you know, I don't want to say they're babying, babying the rookie, but, like, they're going to ease that, that type of behavior in. And, and I like to think that Mac Jones will eventually get it considering – him being coached by Nick Saban for four years down at Alabama, however long he was there. I don't know how long he was there, but like he was coached by, by, by Nick Saban, who comes from the Belichick style of coaching at the end of the day. Like they, they work together. You can go back as far to say it was Parcells, but you know, they come from the same style of coaching. So I like to think that that will come in time. Like you said, it's been three weeks. You know, we're going to see these types of performances. We said it, in the preseason that we're going to ride the ups and downs with him. This may be just one of the downs with him, with his, with, with, um, you know, his behavior on, on the sidelines. So I like to think that it's going to eventually build from this. Like we, I think Jay, I think you can agree with me right now. This, this, this very well, this last week could very well 
be the absolute low point for this team. And it, mm-hmm. and when I say that, I mean it could stay this low for the rest of the season. Like you know, there's still that possibility there. But like I don't see how they get worse than what they were doing last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. yeah, you're right. I mean, this could be the 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 low point. I mean, Brady could drive a stake in the Patriots season this week. Like if it's a big fifty six to I don't know. 24 point blowout like I mean that is going to linger for a long time with this mm-hmm. team and how young they are so I, I think this is a low-key must perform to a high level game for Mac Jones and the thing that I like want to bring up is I think I, I don't think this kid has been mentally tested ever in his whole life and, and like you know we, we're going to bring up the uh, this article and that article but strictly on the football field this kid has always been the front runner, right? I mean, we're talking almost every single game last year they played for the for the Alabama Crimson side. They were up by 21 points at halftime, except for like three of them. And even those, they ended up winning by like 15 points, right? So like, I don't think he's ever been put through the ringer on the field. And I think what we saw on, on you know, Sunday was something that nobody saw at Alabama. And I think it's going to be something to keep an eye on because we didn't expect this out of him. And now we know it's in him that he's going to go, maybe go in the tank or maybe have a sulking moment or whatever it is when he's not performing well and he's under the pressure. I, right. I, I like to think that, he, that, 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 that that doesn't happen. And, you know, it happened now. And if it's going to continue, you know, for, what, 14 more games, we have a problem on our hands. And I will be the first to admit that. Yeah. I mean, I'll just I'll just say real quick, you know, I, I, I did what I normally don't do, and that's uh, listen to Boston Sports Radio. But I was I was, I was full great. of shock. I was I was uh, week? <laughs> dude. I, I there are times at work where it's like ten o'clock in the morning. It's like, yo, I gotta go make some popcorn real quick. Like this is <laughs> this this is gonna be something real quick. But I mean, in in reality, like Monday, like when Zoe and and Bertrand were talking, and they kept they brought up like the mental health aspect of of uh, of Mac mm-hmm. Jones. And, and I understand in, in like the time and age that we live in, it's, it's kind of faux pas to talk about an athlete and a mental health. But when you hear for the last 48 and, you know, by the time you hear this, it's going to be 72 hours, the people, commentators, sports writers talking about the kid's mental health well-being – that may be like you know not for, like it's going to be a problem obviously like if there's something going on with the kid i want the kid to get help i don't want to see somebody struggle and fail and and whatever but like when you're looking from a you know as ruthless as this sounds from a business standpoint you drafted this kid in the 15th you know 15th overall like he is going to be your franchise quarterback and you by the de facto he's going to be the face of your franchise in theory for the next five to ten years if we are through week three and your really only standout performance was okay in a loss against the miami dolphins and then against the new york jets but everybody crucified you and josh mcdaniels because you guys wouldn't push the ball downfield like this if this is going to be the like the the straw that breaks the the camel's back, you know, mentally upstairs, it's going to be a long season, kid. And I, mm-hmm. I I don't know if maybe obviously this is early. It's week three. I'm not going to say he's a bust, but like if this trend continues through the the entire you know through the entire year, it's gonna it's gonna be a problem. And I'll even point to a Boston Herald article that came out today 
where I forget the, the writer's name, but he was talking to Josh McDaniels, and Josh McDaniels straight up said, like, the third paragraph in this article, um, I just hope, you know, a bad game for Mac doesn't snowball into a bad season. And to me, that's like a veiled comment of the kid needs to toughen up a bit and, you know, get, you know, mentally stronger kind of deal. And I said this in the group chat. You know what's bad when my aunt, who really doesn't watch, you know, the New England Patriots, is texting me and texting my mom being like, hey, I don't know what's going on with the kid on the bench, but, like, the kid needs to, the kid needs to get tough. So, obviously, mm-hmm. like I said, if there's, a legi- if there's a legit issue, like coping problem, whatever, by all means, get help. But, like, from X's and O's standpoint, this, it's going to be a long season, man. Like, like I was telling you guys, uh, I think I was talking to you, Jay, before the uh, the podcast here. Like, the best thing that could have happened with this game coming up, with the Patriots being one and two, you know, having having their issues and all that, is the fact that spotlight is not on Mac Jones mm-hmm. this week. You know, the whole the whole talk of the town, Boston sports radio, you like the, the heck the nation. I mean, you got. You know, Sunday Sunday countdown coming to New England this week and all that. Nobody's talking about Mac Jones. It's all about Bill versus Brady and all this and that. Mac is completely out of the spotlight, and I think that is the best thing that could have happened, you know, given, you know, what we've seen mentally from Mac Jones through three weeks. And I think, you know, the fact that people aren't talking about, oh, Mac Jones is playing his predecessor, the greatest of all time, has has some merit. Yeah, I mean, listen, we'll um, we'll eventually see see how he pans out. And obviously, it's only three games in, and and I'm doing my best to give him his his um, I guess his chance or his time to develop. Because I I personally hated the kid coming out of Alabama, and you know, I'm putting <laughs> all of my personal feelings aside, you know. And, and I am, yeah, I think Bird, you would agree. I am being very fair to him, you know. I I am not yeah, absolutely. I will agree with I, that. I am. Being, Let me I, jump I, in. We <laughs> went from Jay not talking the rest of draft night after Mac Jones's name was called, and he went to the podium Listen. to get his jersey and dap from um, from Roger Goodell, like he was a hall monitor trying to chase down a kid. To all right, I'm gonna give time for the kid to develop. So yeah, this is a massive corner. The well, captain because, of the ship, listen, Jay listen, Shima, listen, has rounded. Well, let listen, me let I, me talk real quick. Let me say something real quick. Sorry to cut you off, Jay, yeah, but bro. like, dude, I totally get it. And I, you know what? I applaud you for that, Jay, because yeah. we talk about this all the time with me. Like, I need my irrational period to just cool off and and be mentally like rational about the whole thing. And mm-hmm. and Jay, to your credit. With this, yes, you shut down during the draft, but like, you are you are affording the opportunity to see what happens. Yeah, and listen, like I I have these preconceived notions of who I think he is. I just I just think he's gonna be one of those Adrian McCarrens or Greg McElroy's or you know he was essentially Alabama's bridge guy from Tua to Bryce Young, and he's gonna be our franchise quarterback. So I have all that in my head, but I understand that I've got to give him time, and I am you know essentially. At the point where I just can't hate anybody else. Like, I already have so much hate, blind hate for Belichick that I, I don't want to hate, like, uh, Matt Jones for the next three years as well, you know? And it's a little different, you know? It, it's a different circumstance. Like, you know, that, that Brady Belichick thing is a fissure. That's something that's, like, embedded deep in me as a fan. But this is different. This is like, all right, we got to give him some time. He, he's young. Obviously, I don't, I don't see, I don't get the pick. But just like everybody else, I am going to afford him the luxury. And, and for the most part, Burge, like, you came into such a weird spot 
like into the podcast and kind of knowing me in general for the most part i'm a very rational person when it comes to like work or life or in general it's just this this brady belcher thing is just kind of like eats at my core and that's why i become so hate-filled and everything else you know I mean, all right. Well, I mean, if that's well, how it on, is, no, I mean, cool. Cool. for listen. the most part, I'm not a, I'm not an idiot, right? <laughs> listen, listen. Eh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that, I'm just kidding. That, I'm kidding. Shot. That's shot. the first rational thing I think I've ever heard you say. So I'm, I'm just gonna leave it at well, that. Well, listen, you've got to understand that Brady Belcher thing. That's like a fissure, like deep in my fandom. That's that's something that I think needs to be paid off with the the firing of Belichick, but that's a different cop topic for a different day. Now so, before before we day. transition to the debate <laughs> of you know what came first, the chicken or the egg, let me pose this question to you guys. And uh you know, Jay, you, you can answer first for this one. Um so uh, through obviously, like I said, listening to Boston Sports Radio for the first time in a long time, just because I was full of Schottenfreude. Um there's been a lot of calls, and it's not just like the hosts bringing it up, but like a lot of people have been calling into these stations, whether it's 95 or EEI or, or some little station out of Quincy and whatnot, saying they should really have considered starting like Brian Hoyer or rolling out with Cam Newton all the way through week four and then going to Cam, to uh, to Mac Jones. Like, do, do you guys like now having what we've seen through three weeks. Do you guys put stock in that? Or if you had to do it all over again, you guys would do it the same. But Jay, you, you answer first. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Nothing that he can do off the field is going to, in like he's not going to be able to learn more off the field than what he is doing on the field. Like live reps on the field for a number a first rounder, especially a quarterback in the top fifteen, you've got to get him out there. You've got to essentially you know see what the kid's made of because it's it's a it's a time crunch and it's also a time crunch for Belichick as well. I mean he he can't like put this kid off until next year and then try to get him ingratiated next year. And if he doesn't find out till the end of next year that he's not the kid, then he has to move on. And we're three years down the road without finding another quarterback. Like, we have to find the next guy. It doesn't matter, you know, if he's out there stinking it up. We're giving him time. Most of the fan base is giving him time to essentially get it get going. So I, I, I would not do it over again. I think it's fine going out there and learning on the fly. All right, Burge, nope. you? I'm there too. I think that you needed to learn on the fly. We knew what Cam Newton was last year, and it was not good. Um, you know, he had. You know, you can make you can go pull all the stats on this whole thing about how he rushed for this many touchdowns, but only threw for this many, turned the ball over this many times. But at the end of the day, like you know what you're getting with Cam Newton at this point in his career. Cam Newton is on the other side of thirty. We all know that his style of play, you know relies on him running the ball. He's only getting older. We know how the NFL affects running backs. You know, I'm not gonna, I'm going to make this comparison, but like you know how the running backs, you know, age out very very young in in retrospect to other positions in the league. And you know Cam Newton I think is 32, 33 years old at this point. You know, you you know what you're getting him and you know Belichick is 69 years old. And, you know, he's only got a few years left coaching regardless of how well, you know, the experiment goes or how well he performs. I mean, he's got another handful of years at most uh, to coach. It was time to find out what you had in Mac Jones. And, you know, you're going you're, you're gonna to be tied to what, you know, what he is at this point. Yeah. Okay, I think we've spent enough time on this. Let's move on to... The next couple of questions we're going to combine into one segment. Essentially, we're going to talk about how would you grade Bill Belichick's free agency moves so far? 
And obviously, I assume we're all going to give them a low grade. So the next part of that second question is going to be, what do you need to see from the Patriots to make you feel better about this whole team moving forward, including the free agents and the draft picks and everybody else? So, Burge, I'll give you the floor first, um, and uh, we'll roll from there. So they obviously signed a lot of players in free agency this year. They spent a lot of money. Uh, you know, to bring in guys like Matthew Judon, Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, uh, Jalen Mills. You know, they, they sent they sent all these guys. You know, for me, the grade I probably give them at this point C minus is probably the high end of what I would give them. You know, Matthew Judon seems to be a a, a big hit uh, mm-hmm. in free agency. I mean, he's been you know, especially on the defensive side of the ball, a guy that we've talked about as you know ups in most of their games so far this year. I mean, he's got pressure. He seems like he's an animal out there. And to be honest, you know, you can we can, you know, chastise him for what happened on that Kamara touchdown and all this and that. But at the end of the day, I think he's going to be a uh, a big fit for this defense. Uh, on the other side of that spectrum, somebody like Jalen Mills has been an absolute train wreck in my eyes. And I don't know if whether or not they signed him with the uh, with the you know understanding that he was not going to be a number two corner, whereas you know they were going to have Stephon Gilmore healthy and ready to play. Uh, you know whether it was a contract dispute or whatever. So I think maybe Jalen Mills improves once Gilmore gets back on the field here. Uh, but at, at this point in the season, like I am a hundred percent out on him. I know I was okay with the signing at the time. But I have uh, since flipped on that. And Puma, you are 100% right uh, in terms of what he is. He gives up the big play in two of their in, in their two losses this year. Let's be honest. They had a, they had the Dolphins and the Saints in third down. And on third down and late in the fourth quarter, who do they target? Jalen Mills. He gives up a big play. First down, game over at that point. So um, I hate, I, I'm not very unhappy with his performance. And I think, uh, you know, we will all agree that the tight ends – have been a massive disappointment mm-hmm. uh, so far through three games. Um, I think John Smith will improve on his performance last week. I don't think it gets any worse. I think they just get better. Uh, but, you know, we, we, we're talking through through training camp about how, you know, we're hearing all these things about how John Smith's going to be this secret weapon for this offense, and they're going to line him up in the backfield, and they're going to hand him the ball. And I think we've maybe seen, like, one, like, reverse to John Smith through three weeks. And, you know, that's not a recipe for success. Hunter Henry has been a massive disappointment. Yes, he's caught a bunch of balls, but, you know, sprinting into a false start uh, on fourth and one when your team needs to get a first down, you know, that, that shit can't happen at the end of the day. And a veteran player like that shouldn't be making that kind of mistake. Uh, the receivers, you know, I think we, we talked over the summer about them, you know, how we were – you know, meh on the signings. I mean, I'm a big Kendrick Bourne guy. I think I really think that he's going to evolve into an effective part of this offense. Um, but I think we can all agree that they didn't do enough at the wide receiver position to address their absolute need, uh, you know, for targets there, uh, you know, signing Aguilar and just Bourne at that point. So, you know, C-minus is probably the highest I go, and I think it's skewed a little higher because of what I've seen out of Matthew Judon. Go ahead, Kumo. 
I'm going to go D. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with the D for this free agency grade. And the, the big reason why is, you know, Jay, we were talking about this early on. And, you know, Burge, you, you were kind of saying it's like an unf- unfair expectation. But the fact of the matter is, is you spent hundred almost $150, $200 million in, you know, con- guaranteed contracts uh, for all these free agents to, to come over to New England. And everyone... You know, for the most part, like the majority of mainstream folks, you know, and we're saying that these guys should not even that, like all across, (laughs) all across ESPN, Fox Sports One, Fox Sports, uh, CBS Sports, CBS Sports HQ. Like you name the company that has a sports sports team. They were all on the same page that, you know, with on paper, even whether it's Cam Newton or Mac Jones, which came after the fact of free agency because the draft was in April, this should be a 10-win 10, a 10 team. Like, this should be a 10-win team. They could be knocking on the door of a second wild card. Like, you know, there were playoff aspirations for this team, and it's just the only thing that's hit has been Matt Judon. And I'm saying that after he left Kyle Van Noy high and dry. But, I mean, he was flying all over the place in preseason – it looked like he got it. You know, there were semblances of, you know, me obviously not being a Pats fan, but like I was seeing semblances of maybe Rodney Harrison in that locker room, like that kind of alpha dog. And I, he's just been the only hit in, in my eyes. So I, with this division, you know, the Dolphins, in theory, they could make noise. The Buffalo Bills are still the class of that division. The AFC as a whole, the Bengals are, you know, exceeding expectations. The, the Browns look like a playoff-bound team. You know, who knows? Like, can the, can the Cincinnati Bengals maybe get the last wild-card spot that everyone thought New England might be able to squeak out in the AFC? So I'm going to go with the, with the D on this free agency, uh, free agency class. Yeah. And Puma, I'm right there with you. I originally thought it was going to be an F, but because of the play of Judon, obviously that elevates it up to a D. And Judon has been great. I mean, that. I mean, I'll get that out of the way first. I mean, he's been energetic every time he's been out there. He flashes. It's easy to first of all. I see it for him to flash because he has those red, like, long sleeves he wears underneath his uh, his pads. Mm-hmm. So he's been doing great. He's been getting in the backfield. He's he he gives me that vibe. Like if this was if he was on that like 2017 team, he would be like the Rodney Harrison of that defense. Just just an alpha dog and a guy that can really get off the quarterback now. Other than that, man, I have been so disappointed in the rest of the guys. Like, the wide receivers, like, they're not getting separation downfield. I know Bourne had a little bit of a uh, success uh, on Sunday, but that really came after the New Orleans Saints were up by 28, uh, I think like 14 points or whatever it was. And essentially, at that point, they were playing a conservative cover two shell, and there's a bunch of, uh, you know, dink and dunks that's happening for Bourne. So, you know, he flashed a little bit, but for the most part, it's been a disappointment. The, the tight ends have been absolutely atrocious, like... John Smith, like, I don't know what the hell he was doing. Like, he, he was out there for, like, 30 plays, and 10 of them were bad plays. One-third of the plays he was out there were just absolutely horrific. Combined right now, John Smith and Hunter Henry have 20 catches, 183 yards, and no touchdowns. And just for some salt in the wound, right now through three games, Rob Gronkowski has 16 catches, 184 yards, and four touchdowns, right? So you're seeing, and obviously Brady and Max are completely different Um completely different um, quarterbacks, but you're seeing just the amount of money they're spending, which is $30 million on two tight ends, compared to $8 million for Rob Gronkowski, it's, it's jarring. 
On the defensive side, gotcha, Jalen Mills, you guys all hit it on the head. And, you know, I'm not going to belabor that point. But what you're seeing right now is something I've been driving at for years. And it's the... And this is the, the lack that Bill Belichick has in, in his tool to essentially evaluate players and build rosters, right? Um, you know, I know a lot of times we like to dis- the differentiate the, the coach on the field with the GM, with the coffee drinker, with the TV show, go watch or whatever we want to say and do to make it feel better. But Bill Belichick has ultimately failed at putting this team together through free agency in the uh, in the offseason. And I know it's only three games, and we'll revisit this down the line, but this has been going on for years, and now you're seeing it even worse because now we're spending a bunch of money to try to fix a mistake that couldn't be corrected through the draft process. So, I mean, ultimately, I, I don't know how it's going to pan out for the rest of the year. I don't know if they're going to get better or not, but things got to change around quick, and they got to start changing around quick on Sunday. Did Bill Belichick not reload the New England Patriots like I think it was three times over the course of twenty years. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna sit there and, and bash his complete roster building skills, like you could bash his drafting for the last five years. I'm with you on that, hundred percent. But like let's not let's not just say like it's a shortcoming that he cannot build a roster at this point. Like he drafted Rob Gronkowski, he drafted Aaron Hernandez. Yeah, I know it's a touchy subject, but like he drafted those two tight ends and they were absolute beasts on the field. I mean. He, he came in, he, he he had, obviously, the Willie McGinnis, he had the Teddy Bruskies, he inherited those guys from Pete Carroll and Bill Parcells when he came in, but he ended up turning it around, he goes out, he gets Randy Moss, Wes Welker, for that offense, he, like, let, let's just, let's not, let, let's not minimize what Bill Belichick has done over the last 20 years when it comes to building a roster. I mean, he's turned it over three times, and this is, this is essentially his fourth go at it, to, to return over the roster. And, you know, we can, we can nitpick and, and do all that with, with his drafting over the last five years, you know, et cetera. Like, I'm with you on the, on the draft aspect of it. He's missed on a lot of picks. But let's not minimize the fact of his ability to, to build a roster. What do you have oh to say God. about that, Jay? I, I mean, I, listen, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to ask, like, at what point can we, like, start – pointing some blame at him for what's happening. Like, I, you know, last year I was told it's a reset year. Fine. Okay, we're 7-9 last year. We took a bunch of money off the off the books, and now he's going to bring in his new players to essentially turn his team around. And so far, I mean, it's obviously three weeks in, and we keep throwing the caveat out there. I see absolutely nothing that gives me confidence that this man can take this team without Brady on it and turn it into a winner. Because obviously all those pieces, Gronkowski, Hernandez on the offense, even some of the defensive play, some players that he's drafted, eventually they get elevated by the play of Tom Brady. So can he do that now without Tom Brady on his roster? And so far, the records say that he can't. He was 7-9 last year. He's 1-2 this year. And it's looking like it's going the opposite Instead of going up, it's going down. And that's all I'm asking. I'm just asking to show some light. I'm not asking these guys to turn to Gronkowski and Hernandez. Like, I'm not asking for that. I'm asking them to catch the fucking ball. Hold on to the goddamn ball. That's all I'm asking. And, and I think I don't think I'm unfair for asking that out of Belichick, but it seems like I it seems like you think I am. I don't think you're unfair. It, the question is is a fair question to ask. But let's let's just, let's just not minimize what he's done over the last 20 years. And I may be getting ahead of ourselves with this conversation of you know, the Bill versus Brady thing. I might be getting a little bit of ahead of myself on this, but like, you know, we're three weeks in, they have 
a multitude of new players on the roster. We all know, and we're all intelligent football, you know, you know, people when we talk about this, where you know it takes time for teams to gel together. Like you're not going to just bring in free agents and have it all work together. And again, that that you can make the argument that, that comes back to his lack of ability to draft over the last you know three, four, five years. You know, and I'm not going to argue that. But like we got we got to afford some time for this for this team to to gel together and you know yes they had tom brady for, through, through all of those we'll call it reloads at this point this is not a reload this is a rebuild all right this is belichick's we'll call it his fourth opportunity to try to retool rebuild reload the roster uh you know in his tenure as 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 a head coach yes he's 69 years old and i'm not making that excuse that that because of his age that he can't do it. But you have to afford more time than three weeks to to, to effectively evaluate what is going on with that. Mm-hmm. I think as someone that could speak on what a rebuild looks like, because I've had the front seat to that for a long time, um, the Dolphins tried that too with spending in free agency, getting the Dominican Sue, getting, you know, insert name here to play opposite Cam Wake, get some people on the offensive side of the football. And it never worked out until Brian Flores and Chris Greer, we can all agree, like ripped it down to the studs like three years ago when they traded Laramie Tunsil. Jay, we were recording. In, in the attic at the time, and you had to talk me off a ledge when that news broke. But, like, looking back, like, Laramie Tunsil is the gift that keeps on giving. Like, they didn't spend like drunken sailors in the offseason. They didn't spend like drunken sailors in free agency. Like, they just rebuilt through the draft. They got the draft capital, whatever. Like, let's be honest. Like, I, I, would, li- I would like to think we can all agree Bill did – what we, you know, what people would mock the New York Jets and the Miami Dolphins in the early 2000s of doing of we're just going to throw a bunch of money at it and try to put a Band-Aid on a gunshot wound. And it, you know, again, with the caveat, it's only three weeks, but it clearly has not worked. Yeah, well, you could say that too. Like, and, you know, again, it comes down to stuff that we've all talked about for what? over a year now since I've been been on with you guys is like are the Patriots taking influence away from Bill Belichick for, for, for building his team? Or is Robert Kraft the reason they drafted Mac Jones? Is Robert Kraft the reason that they said go out and fix this team, spend the money in free agency? Like that that that's where like like I get defensive on the whole Bill Belichick thing, uh aspect of this whole entire thing. It's like, all right Bel- this is this is something that Belichick has not done for 20 years. Let's be honest. He's never gone out and spent this much money on so many players in, in free agency. Occasionally you get the one player like a, like an Adelius Thomas, like a Stephon Gilmore, where they go and they actually pay the guy, you know, what his quote-unquote market worth is to bring him in. And, you know... It's proven that the, the, this method has not worked in the past. And yes, there's a stat out there. I think it's like uh, all these free agent signings. If you spend so much money, you net so many wins out of it. Yes, the, the, there's that aspect to it. But at the same time, it is completely different from from the way that the Patriots and Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft have gone about building their team for the last 
two decades, and you can you can call it a panic move if you want. Like there's arguments to be made about that that they panicked because Brady won the Super Bowl last year. They go out they they spend like drunken sailors to quote you Puma on this, and I just I just think that you need to afford some time for this team to gel, given the complexity of what the Patriots tried to do on you know both sides of the ball. Well, let me well, follow up with that real quick. So. If if who was who was given the credence of okay like you 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 need to spend this like who was panicking more I should say was it Bill that was panicking more or was it Bob Kraft that was panicking more because I'm gonna be I'll level with the two of you I think Bob Kraft looked on Super Bowl Sunday and saw what knew what Tom Brady did and was like holy shit I let the guy walk out the building when I probably just had to back up another couple of million dollars to keep him in-house keep him as a new england patriot for his entire career do you guys think like bob Kraft turned the heat up on on bill because i'll cop it i think i've been saying it for a long time i think bob Kraft has turned the heat up on the old man i mean from my standpoint here i think that bill doesn't want to build the team this way and it's been pretty evident for you know He's had control of GM and uh, and coach since I think it was what 2008, 2009 maybe, uh, when Scott Pioli left to go to the Chiefs, and right. you know he's never done this. He's never done this. I, I I think Robert Kraft is the one that you can ultimately slap blame on for them. Uh, we'll say overspending, and I can take it a step further, and we may get into this at some point if we have time. You know. I, I I put a lot of blame on him for the way things have gone in the last, we'll say, five years, uh, you know, with the team, with the relationships, and all that. But we can get into that later. But I, to answer your question, Puma, I think this is Bob Kraft saying get is panicking and saying get my team back to where it was. Yeah, and I think I think um, I don't think Bob Kraft would meddle because I think that would be the last straw for Belichick. It's become very obvious that there's a lot of tension between um, Belichick, Brady, Belichick, Kraft, and I think if 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 Kraft was going to try to use that trump card and say, "Hey, get my roster back up to par," I think that would have been the perfect time for Belichick. Like, you know what? I don't need this. I'm 69. I've got my Super Bowls. I'm out the door, right? I mean, there's been those rumblings that he, at one point a couple years ago, decided to go talk to the Washington football team or the Giants or whoever it was that he was thinking about stepping away from the Patriots to go coach that team. So there's a lot there that says that if Kraft would have essentially thrown his weight around, it could have been really bad for for um, for um, for uh, Belichick, right? And the one thing that, you know, we're going to move this forward, essentially, you know, it's a bigger conversation that we're having in regards to the Brady versus Belichick debate, who won, who lost, all that, good versus evil, good being Tom Brady, evil being Bella Bitch, you know what I'm saying? All of that encompassing into this question. Okay, cowherd. <laughs> all this, all that encompassing, I want to ask you guys this question, you know, and I'll, and I'll let you answer first, Burge, like, who has more to lose on Sunday night, Bill Belichick or Tom Brady? So, so my stance on this entire thing with this game and the whole legacies of Bill Belichick and Tom Brady and the narrative that comes out of the Patriots dynasty at the end of the day, uh, at the, in the grand scheme of everything that has gone on over the course of you know 
20 years, 2000 to, to now with Brady leaving, this game really doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot in terms of the legacies of both Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. If, if I'm going to have to pick who has more to lose in this game, I'm going to obviously pick the Patriots. I mean, I mean, the, 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 the play on the field uh, speaks for itself. I mean, The question is Belichick or Brady, not the Patriots or the Buccaneers. Patriots, Belichick is the Patriots okay, at this point. Let's be there honest. Okay. So, so, like, Brady's won a Super Bowl on the field, all that. That being said, the Patriots need to come out and play a competitive game. They don't need to win this game to to to, to flip the narrative. If they if they come out and they get blown out by you know like you said, Jay, fifty six to twenty four or something, yes, Belichick has a lot to lose on that. It's an it's an indictment on him at that point. But you know, at the end of the day, if it's a close game and the Patriots show uh, fight, they show uh, you know resilience. They show that you know they they are a competent football team given what we saw last week, and they lose you know by a touchdown or or something like that. Then I, I don't think that either one has anything to lose. And you know I'll say this side of it: Brady's got nothing to lose in this game. He loses to Bill in this game; it doesn't affect him at all. And he's won a Super Bowl without Bill. He's gone through, you know, you know, with another team. He's shown he's putting up, proving that, proving himself. And you know, I'll be the first one to say that I hate this debate and this talk and all this bullshit about Tom Brady versus Bill Belichick, all this and that. Like, let's just let's just appreciate what we had for twenty years and the fact that a Bill Belichick was able to reload the team as many times as he did. B Brady was able to subject himself to Bill Belichick as a coach, which, as we all know, is not easy to do for as long as he did for 20 years. He took it all. And, you know, the fact that the the three of them, Kraft, Belichick, Brady, they all stuck together for 20 years, in my eyes, is an accomplishment in itself. The fact that, you know, I can't can't fathom working for an employer for for, for 20 years. Obviously, we're, we're what, in our 30s here? We haven't haven't had... to deal with that yet, so we haven't experienced it. So I, I can just appreciate the fact that all three of them stuck it out as long as they did. They made it work, and they won six titles out of it. So you know, at the end of the day, if you're gonna make me pick who's gonna lose, who's got more to lose in this game, I gotta pick A or B. I'm gonna obviously pick Bill Belichick in this because like Brady has won, Belichick hasn't, and Belichick has not, and his team has not looked good through three weeks here. Yeah. And I'm going to break the answer down for this question into two answers, and I was a little bit of a cop-out, but in the long-term okay. view... shocker. No, seriously, in the long-term view, in the long-term view, both of these guys have nothing to lose tonight, right? In the long-term view, Brady's won oh. without Belichick. I mean, in the long-term view... Listen, not, and this is not... My personal view, obviously, Belichick is a piece of shit, and I think he's an overrated coach, but I'm talking about just the, the, the narrative's going to be out there, right? In the long-term view, both of nothing, nothing really matters, right? In the short term, if Belichick gets trounced, like if he goes out there and Brady just lights it up, let's say it's even a 21-point game. Like if it's a 42-21 kind of game, that is an embarrassment on Bill Belichick because he's the man. And I, I love how you make this into a rosy picture. Oh, 20 years was amazing. And, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's great that we even got 20 years. But the fact of the matter is at the end of the day, it seems that Brady still wanted to be there. Robert Kraft obviously still wanted him to be there, but Belichick was the one guy that kind of threw a thorn in all of this. He was the guy that ultimately decided, you know what? 
I don't want that guy there in here in this locker room anymore. Whether it was his personal insecurities about the credit, the fact that he just hates the man, or whatever it is. I don't even, I can't even get into his mind into why he wouldn't want the greatest quarterback of all time on his roster. But from everything we know, and you can obviously see it through some of the language that Brady Camp has sent out there and how, how harshly they feel about Spear being campaign. pushed out of yeah, I mean, how harshly they feel about being pushed out of New England. It seemed that Tom Brady wanted to be there. Robert Kraft wanted him to be there. Belichick was the guy that essentially forced him out the background. That's why this is such a divisive, you know, argument. Because it's not as simple as, you know, 20 years is great. Everyone's a separate ways. The way it ended, how messy it got, how much of a weasel Bill Belichick is. There's some more stuff coming out day by day, especially with the Seth Wickersham article and how, how essentially... <laughs> Bill Belichick was a guy that warmed up to Roger Goodell during the flake gate, essentially kind of throwing it in Brady's face that he was aligning himself with Roger Goodell. Oh, I mean, here all we go. that was just so weaselly. Here we go, Puma. Such a such a such a low quality of character uh, displayed by by Belichick in that. And I and I truthfully, I think you know, in the grand scheme of things, as Every week goes on, and as Bill, as Tom Brady still goes out there and performs at a high level, it makes Bill Belichick look worse and worse. And when this is all said and done, this is gonna tr- this is gonna absolutely topple that Jerry Krause pushing Michael Jordan out the back door because Michael Jordan never won and won anywhere else. There's a good chance that depending on how long uh, you know Belichick wants to coach, Brady could still be going in three four years, right? And if that's the case. That's going to be the single worst executive decision made in sports history. Puma, you can get yours in before I before I launch myself off a cliff. I mean, obviously, like the fact of the matter is, is Brady and Belichick their first battle Hall of Famers. Like, whatever, it, it is what it is. But going going out of this game, I got I got to go with I got to go with Bill. Like, if if he doesn't come, if he doesn't have a game plan even to keep it close like it's you know it's like okay like he walked out the door and won the super bowl and now he came into his house that he built you're never gonna be you're not gonna be in another primetime game the rest of the year and the the last image that the that the nfl fandom and really the sports world for that matter has to see is potentially tom brady dropping 50 on you in in foxborough like if that happens like that is the cataclysmic event in my opinion and you know we can all we can all say what we want about felger and maz whatever but the fact of the matter is is you know i'm kind of in you know maserati's camp of if it's going to be like this all the way through the entirety of the year like obviously you're not going to fire them in the middle of the season but if it's going to be like this the entirety of the year and you have a sub 500 record or close to what you did last year I think the old man's got to go like whether or not it is, Hey, we're going to come up with a statement. You're going to go like, you're going to retire. We're not going to just come out and outright fire you like Jerry Jones with Tom Landry. Like you can ride off in the sunset kind of deal. But if that happens, I think it is a valid question to start asking. Do you need a new voice in that new England Patriot locker room? Whether or not it's a it's a retread, you put you know Josh McDaniels in there. I mean, you know, Jay, I was talking with you offline a couple of days ago where the guy literally had his foot on the stairway to a golf stream to go to Indianapolis and be introduced as the new head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. 
something happened and he decided to stay in New England. Whether or not it was a backdoor deal, you guarantee you'll be the head coach. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge when the old man retires. Whether or not it's, you know, Gerard Mayo, Albert Breer brought that up as if Bill was ever to retire in the short term, he might be a dark horse candidate to be a head coach. If it's Matt Patricia, I'll light a candle for you guys. Uh, maybe it's the guy from Iowa State, like it, it, in the college ranks, but there may need to be a different voice coming out of that locker room. <sighs> Here we go. Jay, Jay, so, so let me ask you this. Like, you, you, you quoted Seth Wickersham and what he said, you know, what dropped today. You know, okay, so... Do you put any stock into what was what was put out back in in, in 2018 when when he released his article about the tension that was going on and all this and that in that season right before the playoffs started? Uh well, at that moment, no, because at that moment we didn't have the full picture of what's happening behind the scenes, right? At that moment, I could never even envision Tom Brady being in a different uniform, but now that he is, I take what Seth says. With more, with a more, uh, I guess, uh, I, I put more weight into what he has to say now. Okay, fair enough. But like, all right. So let's just say this. All right, in that article, in that 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 time period, the discussion was that Brady wanted out at that point. Mm-hmm. He wanted out of New England at that point in twenty whatever twenty eighteen. What 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 changed to make him want to stay for another two two seasons after that? Oh, because of how his contract was written, right? He didn't get his, what was it, his uh, get out of uh, the franchise tag at the end of 2018, if I'm a math correct? Yeah, he didn't because, have that language put yeah, in the contract he, until his He last didn't have it in his contract. Win. Yeah, so, at the, so essentially in 2018, at the end of 2018 is when he had essentially his get out of jail card, right? And at that point, obviously we didn't know, but 2019, he was basically gone. I mean, I thought he was out there, he was playing football, sure, but he was basically gone. And... And I don't understand why we're even starting this conversation at 2018. Like, why don't we go further back into time about 2016 when at the end of that Falcon Super Bowl, Tom Brady asked for another contract ascension. And why wasn't that contract given to him after no decline at all in his play, you know? I mean, that, that's a fair question to ask. I'm not going to I'm not gonna deny that. I mean, I, I back in 2016, I would have... I I would have slapped that contract on him in a heartbeat. I I was of the mind mindset of, of of the whole Tom Brady thing where I don't care how old he is, if the Patriots go 0 16 with Belichick and Brady, I don't care if it ended like that. It ended bad like that that they were gonna both retire together as a Patriot, and you know this whole narrative about you know Brady being unhappy started there. That's where it all started was in 2018. And the fact that he was here again for another, we'll say, at that point, that was the 2017 season. So he played another two years uh, with the Patriots there. Lost, obviously, to the Philadelphia Eagles. Won against the Rams the next year. And then sucked the year after that. The whole team sucked the year after that, despite going 0-8. They were basically the same incarnation of the 2020 Steelers uh, in 2019. And, you know... I go back to the demeanor that, that Brady carried himself through that season. They were the absolute he was the absolute most pouty quarterback that was 7 and 0, 8 and 0 through the year. And you know, that's where like 
I've always had Brady in this high esteem. Like, I loved him as an athlete, and, you know, he's my boyhood idol. He's the last, like, of my boyhood sports idols uh, in Boston, you know, all through that. And I'm sitting there watching him. I'm like, this is a very unlikable, unrelatable person. It's like, dude, you're 8-0, and you're going to sit up here, and you're going to act like you lost a game. Like, at that point, I was like, you know what? Let's let's just, you know, move on at this point and let's let's reset this whole thing because it's clear he doesn't want to be here. It's clear Belichick doesn't want to be here. Let's separate and start start over fresh. And you know, it ended up happening. You know, obviously I was upset that it happened because, you know, again, my boyhood idol left the town and you know, you guys rag on me for for being a Brady hater. And, and you call me a Brady hater through this whole thing last year, all this and that. You say that I hate Tom Brady. That is absolutely not the case with this. All right? You couldn't be more wrong. Yes. Did it hurt me to see him win a Super Bowl down there last year? Yes, it did. Did I want him to win the Super Bowl? Yes. At the end of the day, my viewpoint on this whole thing was the egos that were involved, Kraft, Bill, Brady, needed to separate. And this was the way that it ended up working out. And at the end of the day, I don't really have a problem with it. I'm, I'm happy that the Patriots are working through something new. Jay, you brought up the flake gate. All right. You really want to go down that route with it without no, Bill tossed really, that in it in his in his in his uh tossed it in his lap with, I, I with the really blame on do it? Not. I mean, I don't want to talk about Spygate or Deflate Gate or any of that thing. Any anything so far in the past that really doesn't matter to what's happening right now. Like, at the end of the day, at the end of the 2019 season, there was still a chance that Tom Brady was going to come back and try to, you know, negotiate with Belichick. And essentially, if he got a fair deal, he was still going to sign. I mean, obviously, people like Albert Breer, Scott Zolak, people we, we actually, you know, respect and, and in their opinion have said that there was still a chance for Tom Brady to still walk in into that office and essentially sign a piece of paper that said it was going to be the Drew Brees contract, two years, $50 million. Here it is. And at that moment, why wasn't that contract offered? Was it because he sucked at football? Absolutely not. We still, and that's my bigger point in all this, is the talent evaluation that Bill Belichick put into Tom Brady, it wasn't based off of his playing skills. It was based off of everything else except for his playing skills. Whether it was hate for him, jealousy, he's getting more credit, whatever dumb dumb excuse you want to throw out there. It was the fact that Tom Brady could still throw the football, but Bill Belichick did not want him at the end of 2019. And a lot of people have confirmed that if a contract would have been given to Tom Brady in 2019, we would have, he would have signed it. He still would have been here. So, so just, just to clarify, you blame Bill Belichick for the state of the Patriots right now and last year. Oh, 100%. He's the guy that essentially drafts people. He's the guy that coaches them up. He's the one that signs free agency. I mean, now I'm starting to blame a little bit more on Robert Kraft's shoulders as well. As more information is coming out, we're seeing that Robert Kraft really failed as an owner to... Rain in, rain in Bill Belichick. And I, I don't know if that's possible. If you try to rein in Bill Belichick, he walks away. But if you're seeing everything that's happened for the past five years, six years, bad drafts. So, you know, Sony Michelle being drafted, Isaiah Wynn. I can name all these draft picks that are just trash. Nikhil Harry, the, the free agency class of this year, letting Tom Brady walk out the door, who can still throw the ball at a high level. All of that essentially is starting to fall on, on Robert Kraft as well because he let a mad dog run. 
a mad dog that is essentially trying to appease his own ego. Because all these moves of Bill of Tom Brady not being in the locker room, that's not a move that appeases his football team and makes his football team. But I don't know, it appeases his fucking ego because he wants to go up and improve by himself. And at the end of the day, if Robert Kraft wants his owner to have that much power, I guess more more power be it to him. But I think it was a misstep along the way on Robert Kraft's part as well. Right, and real so, quick, just to jump in, like mm-hmm. Jay, like I, I brought this up in 2019, uh, yeah, 2019 when Antonio Brown was here for a cup of coffee. Right after Antonio Brown got suspended, listen, what whatever happened, it wasn't pretty. Okay, like I'm not saying I would want him on my team, but clearly, like Tom wanted AB on that roster, and the fact that I think Bob Kraft like distanced himself from the organization from an organization standpoint it was the right call but the fact of the matter is is tom wanted ab there and after he was outright released uh because of his off the field issues you started to see comments coming through from his personal interviewer jim gray and there were a couple articles written by uh by tom curran for nbc sports boston where he was quoted flat out being like i want more say in the personnel decisions for the new england patriots and He's like, maybe one day I'll become part owner and then I don't have to answer to anybody. That is almost a verbatim quote Mm -hmm. from a Jim Gray interview. And I think that has been bubbling over for a long time. I think he wanted a lot more people on on the roster that were at the skill position players. And, you know, granted, we can go back to the pod we recorded earlier where we're burying Russell Wilson. With all due respect to Russ, he's not on the level of Tom Brady, where he can call a shot and and whatnot, and people are willing to take pay cuts to go up to Foxborough to play with him. So I think that was the beginning of the end. I'm not saying it was a Hail Mary pass. If they, you know, obviously AB's on the commissioner's exempt list, but they keep him on the roster, he's inactive, he gets, you know, cleared, he comes back, Tom Brady resigns. Maybe that's like you know, rose-colored glasses from a not-Pats fan looking from the outside looking in. But that if that happened, maybe he did sign – he would sign that contract and stay in New England. But the fact that he was chirping about not having personnel decisions is a legit issue. And that all goes back to Bob Kraft letting, letting Bill do his thing, being the uh, the general Isimo and the general manager. See, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the other end of this, and it's not going to be the Tom Brady aspect of it, but – I do put a lot of, t- of, of blame on on uh, Robert Kraft for, for the state of the Patriots today. And it's because he did not let Bill Belichick's plan play out. And, you know, you're going to probably have a lot to say about this, but, like, let's be honest. Bill wanted to move forward and move on from Brady a few years ago and go with Jimmy Garoppolo. And I know what you guys think about Jimmy Garoppolo at this point. We've we've hashed it out many times, but at the end of the day, I would have liked to have seen what what the Patriots team team looked like at at with Jimmy Garoppolo at the helm. Jimmy Garoppolo in the few games that he played for the Patriots was lights out, and they had it. They had developed him for what three and a half years before they ended up trading him, and. At the end of the day, Robert Kraft stepped in and said, we're, we're going to trade Jimmy Garoppolo. And at that point, at that point, Robert Kraft committed to Tom Brady at that point. Mm-hmm. So where I blame Robert Kraft here is, is letting Tom Brady walk out the door. Regardless of what Belichick thinks at this point, he let Tom Brady 
go to free agency. He gave him the contract with a con with the uh, with the voided years and the lack of the franchise tag and all that. He let him give he gave him the option to leave. And I put that not on Belichick. That is on Robert Kraft for not committing to Tom Brady at that point because the succession plan we all can argue about. They had no plan after Tom Brady walked out the door. The succession plan was in place. They drafted Garoppolo to succeed. Yes, Tom Brady exceeded his game at that point and made the decision very difficult for the Patriots organization. Exactly, right? But so the point... My, so my question to you is, like, at what point do you think they should have moved off of Tom Brady, who was still playing at such a high level that it would have been uh, sacrilege to move off of him to Jimmy Garoppolo? I mean, he went to, what, four Super Bowls in the next, like, five years or whatever the stat is. So at what point do you think they should have made that move? I mean... If I'm a as a Patriots fan, I wish I, I do wish Tom Brady was still here, and the fact that Robert Kraft did not make that happen is is probably the greatest travesty out of all of this. And you can blame it on Belichick all you want, but at the end of the day, it's Robert Kraft who signs off on the contracts. Robert Kraft gave Tom Brady the free agency. Robert Kraft was the one that balanced the egos. All three of them have massive egos. We saw it in, in some of the reports that came out today from Seth Seth Rickersham from his book. You know, they all have the egos. You know, Robert Kraft calling Bill Belichick, and I'm going to say it, the idiot Savon. You know, when he when he hired him. All right? He, it, what was the other it, one? The, uh, the, the interesting asshole. point. The interesting point after that comment that he made about the idiot Savon was that he said, I gave him this opportunity. That indicates a massive ego on Robert Kraft's part wanting credit for this whole thing. So you know what? I put the blame mostly on him for not managing this at the end where he made his bed when he forced the hand of Bill Belichick to trade Jimmy Garoppolo away. And he didn't follow through with the second half of that where he said, Brady, Brady's staying. And you know what? If that meant that Bill left because of that, at least Bill Bob Kraft would have made the difficult decision to decide to keep one of them in uniform. And the fact that he did not step in and he stepped back and deflected everything to Bill at that point is a problem. <coughs> yeah. Yeah, man, like I, I, you know, at the end of the day, <coughs> we're never going to be able to find out the answer of who essentially made that decision, right? That's never going to come out unless maybe this book has a big bombshell. But as more information is coming out and as you're starting to see just some of the tension that there was there before. Because I, I always thought that Robert Kraft was just like, all right, well, you do the football operation. I'm just going to stay here on the business side. And make no, it money, wasn't right? like that. It wasn't and, like that. And that's becoming very evident that it's not like that anymore, right? And now, if that is the case, then obviously, you know, Robert Kraft still takes some of the blame on this. But ultimately, like, we all we all agree that Bill Belichick makes these football decisions, right? I mean, it's his roster. And, and I do believe that if Robert Kraft would have meddled again, I mean, you already saw those reports of Bill Belichick flirting with a couple of different owners and a couple of different teams. I, I think that's where Robert was like, I, I've already pissed him off once with the Jimmy Garoppolo thing. If I do it again and try to force Brady back on Belichick, who clearly does not like one bit, I think I'm going to lose uh, Belichick. And he made the decision. And, I, and obviously, he's going to be in this as well, where it's looking bad on his part as well, right? And when it's all said and done... This will be the worst executive decision made by any franchise in the history of sports. And I'm doing the Trump hands right now, by the way. <laughs> and 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 he and Robert Kraft will have to have some of that blame as well. So, oh, so, 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 so <laughs> let, let me it's get this straight. Huge. So, so 
let's just say this. Let let's just say Brady doesn't win another one. Is it the worst? Is it the worst executive decision in the history of sports? Because I disagree with that. Because I disagree with that. One hundred percent. The only way it's not the worst executive decision in sports is if Bill wins the Super Bowl. Exactly. And Bill has to win. How? 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 Bill has to win now, man. Like he. How? He's. He doesn't have to win a Super Bowl to secure his legacy at oh, all. Oh, absolutely. Not does. at all. I mean, no, it, he absolutely does not. No. Well, to, 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 to end, that's absolutely to end, disingenuous. To end the debate of was it Bill or was it Brady, if Bill is goes out and says, okay, anything you can do, I can do better, and he can drag this team to a Super Bowl winning performance, yeah. He doesn't have to win a Super Bowl the rest of his career. He could go yeah. seven and nine and ride off into the sunset, but until then. Tom left, went to the worst franchise, like with a loaded roster. Ever, yeah. it's still a fact, Burge. They had the it's a loaded roster. Okay. Worst winning. You pick high in the draft all, all the time. You load that court. offense up. Okay, so in that they case, won so, se- they so won should... seven games with so, a quarterback that turned the ball over thirty-seven so, times. So in that case, should the Pats have just lost and drafted at the top of the draft? No. Oh, so. He still no. left. He went to the worst franchise winning percentage in all of professional sports. Over with a loaded roster because of high draft picks, and yeah, overcame, but, but, in but, your words, the buffoon head coach of Bruce Arians. And up until the playoffs last year, the buffoon of head coach uh, Bruce Arians for Jay Chima oh, too. Listen, I, I, at the end of the day, like Burge, I I come at it from a very, you know, this is what the record is with the team is, and. I you look at numbers, that's it. You look at numbers, that's it. Yeah, and that's how we quantify performances on the field. You, or the, you, or, or, you deny any context and all, all of that. Okay, and, and the way I choose to look at it is, at the end of the day, that 7-9 team was still 7-9. They were below 500. They looked absolutely pitiful at certain weeks of that 2019 campaign with Jameis Winston. And, and he's out there just like slinging the ball, throwing interceptions, and the next year, that 7-9 team that was a loser franchise with the worst winning percentage in all four major uh, professional sports, the next year, a guy comes in, shows them how to win, takes that team to 11-5 to the Super Bowl in the they first year. They add arguably guy. the greatest athlete of all time. Yeah. and Like, the like they add that to a team. Yeah, obviously they're going to they're gonna elevate to that. Like, that, mm-hmm. that's a joke to compare that. They have an absolutely loaded roster. Okay. Yeah, but you can Mike have all Evans. the talent you but want, Burns, always, but you have to buy into the work ethic. Always, there was a loaded roster in Philadelphia with Michael Vick's non Osmo on that fucking loaded roster that crash and burn. It happens every single year. Like, quote-unquote, this defense for the Patriots this year was loaded with the free agent moves, quote-unquote, this offensive line for nobody the Patriots said, this nobody year. Said, nobody oh nobody my God, said that, that, def- that secondary was loaded. Get out of here. We never said we that. We said it was going to be a top-five defense before the season started, yes or no? Absolutely. We said that the, okay. the front seven what? was going to be elite. Okay. How about the offensive line? We, we said that going in was going to be the, the bread and butter of this offense. And they haven't been together yet. Okay, so things fall apart. Whatever happens in regards to what's on paper and what actually happens on the football field is two completely different things. It doesn't matter that they had all that talent on in a seven and nineteen because there's been many seven and nineteens that had a bunch of talent, talented players on there that just couldn't put it together. Like that. That's the thing that we keep like. So, so what does that Patriots say about fans, the Patriots last year? What does that say about the Patriots last year? Seven and nine with an absolutely depleted, talentless roster. What does that say also, about them? It also wasn't an accident that they led the league in opt-outs last year. Like, like if we're all going to sit here and say that all, what was it, like 15 players were that concerned of COVID and Brady had nothing to do with that, I think that would be disingenuous. I think yeah. a lot, 
I'm not saying it was all because of Brady, but I'm saying a majority of the New England Patriot opt-outs were, Brady ain't here, I ain't riding this season out, man. No fucking way. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. fair. And they still they still won seven games. Like You could say that they were trash last year and all that, but at the end of the day, the coaching and the team on the field won seven games with that absolutely atrocious roster, and they're probably like probably we'll say five plays away from being from being ten and six in that season. So at the end of the day, like are you gonna are you gonna trash Bill Belichick for last year? That's disingenuous in my eyes. Okay. Yeah, and, and and like I said, the way I see football and the way I'm coming at it, and I'm gonna say this again just so I can finish my point. Like, you know, in 2019, on paper and via the record, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were a crap team. And, you know, a lot of us, well, a lot of people in New England say that it was such a great team just to make them feel better about what Tom Brady did down there. I mean, he was he took a bad team from 7-9 to 11-5 to the playoffs and won the Super Bowl with a buffoon of a coach, as you say yourself. And and to the bigger point of this, I, I do believe Bill Belichick needs to win a Super Bowl to essentially bring it even par in the, in the eyes of the public and the narrative around this whole situation, right? Like... What does it say about his legacy that Brady left, won a Super Bowl, and he sucked for the next four years and went to retirement? What's it say about his legacy that, you know, the two best players in Patriots history decided to walk away from him? Like, there's a lot there, and I know we don't ever want to say anything that essentially tarnishes Bill Belichick's legacy, but if he doesn't pan out and win another Super Bowl and Brady and Gronk are still down there slinging it, I think that's a horrific view in regards to, to Belichick and how he operates the teams. I completely disagree with you on that. If his team comes out, okay, again, I'm going to harp on the age thing again. He's almost 70 years old. If he comes out and Mac Jones is the real deal. They develop him, and he continues to have a good career. And the team is left in a state where they are competing for a playoff spot every year. There is absolutely no knock on Bill Belichick's legacy whatsoever on this. And I know you're going to disagree with me on this, and that's fine. But, like, at the end of the day, Belichick... Belichick is old. Let's be honest. He's an old man. Puma, you say it all the time. He's an old man. All right? He's 69 years old. Yeah. He's 69 years old. All right? How many coaches coach into their 70s? There's been maybe a handful of that at the most. All right? He's at the end. All right? If he sets the Patriots up, next guy comes in and the team, and the te- he leaves the team as a, uh, obviously, if the season continues and they end up being 4-13, in, in this is going to change. But if they are a competitive team and the, the framework is in, pr- in place and they end up a competitive team for the next, say, decade, then there is absolutely zero knock on Bill Belichick's legacy. And I think it's disingenuous to say that there is at this point. So, like, elaborate on that 70-year-old thing because I don't think I quite understand it. So, are you saying that, like, what, he's too old for the job? or like No. What's, like, what's I'm saying he's got, a, he's got a handful of years left before he decides to retire. Okay. Like, so if, not, if many coaches, case, not many coaches coach into their 70s. It's, it doesn't so, happen very often. So if that's the case, if people are concerned about his age, then Shouldn't why you cut would the cord you now? Yeah. No, no, no. Walker, it, has nothing, it, has, it has nothing to do with, with his performance on the field. It is the fact that he is getting old and he's going to retire. It has nothing to do with what's going on on the field. Again, if he's 4-13 and th- at the end of the year this year, that's a different, that's a different discussion. But 
if he sets this team up and they end up progressing further up, not down, it is not a knock on his on on his on his legacy because at the end of the day, it takes a lot more to rebuild a team than it does to go to a team with a loaded roster and a loaded ta- with the amount of talent on both sides of the ball that were down there in Tampa and just plug a quarter, drop a quarterback in and go. So, so then it gets back to my original question. If we're concerned about his age, and you know, we can all agree the old man is seventy years old, so he's an old man, and we're worried about like, can he actually build through a rebuild? Then why do you let your best player walk out the door, the guy that was the main draw to free agents coming up to Foxborough? If if the ultimate goal is just to continue to win championships, then why do it? Because I don't think that was the ultimate goal with letting Brady go. I think that they had decided that they were going to reset the franchise. And they were going to, Belichick was going to reset and set the franchise up for the future. I think that was his ultimate goal in 2016 when he was forced to trade Jimmy Garoppolo out the door. Because at the end of the day, and again, you guys are going to disagree with me on this very much so. If Jimmy Garoppolo was a quarterback for this team for the last, we'll say, five years, which is when he was traded. We'll say four years because it was the year after. I think they're a perennial playoff contender every year with him as the quarterback. Because all that kid does is win. It goes back to my point on the last pod that when Jimmy Garoppolo is a quarterback of a team, regardless of his personal performance as a quarterback, whether the stats, whatever you threw out there, he wins. I think his record is 38-13 and as a starting quarterback in the NFL. All that guy does is win. Could you explain this to me? Because I never understood this, like, why is New England so hung up on Jimmy Garoppolo? Because you just said it right now, like, you know, all he does is win, you know, games. Is that what you say? All he does is win games, and that's fine. But we had a guy that all he did was win Super Bowls. Like, I, I, I still can't get this past my mind that you would choose a guy that is a lesser quarterback just because, just because he is younger and, you know, maybe Tom Brady might fall off when in reality he never did and he kept on playing well. Why would you want a guy that could win games when you could have a guy that was on your roster that won Super Bowls? Like, I, I don't understand the Jimmy Garoppolo love. I think it's, and I'm sorry if I'm trying to psychoanalyze you here, but it's something that fans just kind of hold on to as to try to make themselves feel better maybe. I don't know, but from a purely, like, football standpoint, Jimmy Garoppolo is nowhere near the quarterback that Tom Brady is or ever will be. And you had both of them on your roster, and you still wanted to go with Jimmy Garoppolo. No quarterback is ever going to reach the level that Tom Brady is playing. He, is out, mm-hmm. he has outlived and out-exceeded everybody's expectation of what an NFL quarterback is. And I think a lot of that is in, in part into the way that the NFL has, has protected quarterbacks and the way that the NFL has evolved over the last decade. That being said, the reason why New England fans are held up on Jimmy Garoppolo is because that was Bill Belichick's plan to succeed that the the excuse me, the most important position in the game. That was his plan. He drafted him high in the second round for a reason, and that is why Patriots fans are like we wanted to see what that looked like for the next decade. Again, the Patriots got a Super Bowl out of having Tom Brady on the roster after that. And yes, he did end up walking. And as we already touched on, we can assign blame on that all we want. But Brady has exceeded everybody's expectations as to what he is. He is playing at age, what, 44 now? And he's playing at a high level. You can attribute that to his 
work ethic, his physical, uh, his, you know, how he takes care of himself. You can attribute that to the, the state of the NFL where slapping a quarterback in the head is a roughing the passer penalty. All of that comes into this. And Patriots fans, I think, in hindsight right now, hindsight, because, again, back in 2016, I did not want them to move on from Brady. I've been adamant about this from the beginning. I was would have wanted them to go 0-16 with Brady and Belichick if that's how it ended. Mm-hmm. Patriot yeah. fans, in hindsight, would have liked to have seen what Bill Belichick's rebuild would have looked like with Garoppolo at quarterback. Because at the end of the day, the ultimate reason Brandon Cooks was brought in was for Jimmy. It wasn't for Tom. And that's the reason why he was shipped out when he was after that, after the uh, the, the Eagles Super Bowl. That's why he was traded. Let me ask you a question. Do you think Robert Kraft um, saw what was happening between Jimmy Garoppolo and Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and decided to intervene to save Bill Belichick from himself? Because, like, you know, at the end of the day, maybe Belichick couldn't see down the road because of just how much personal... I guess, baggage he had with Brady. And he couldn't see down the road that, hey, listen, Tom Brady is still going to outplay Jimmy Garoppolo even these many years down the line. We're, what, six years down the line now? Next year, Tom Brady's still probably going to play at a high level for the Buccaneers. And there's a good chance that Jimmy Garoppolo's going to be looking for a job because Trey Lance is going to take his spot. Do you think maybe Robert Kraft saw that and decided to save Bill Belichick from himself to make that decision? Zero chance. Mm-hmm. Zero chance. Because if that was the case, and he was trying to save Bill Belichick from himself, he would have signed Tom Brady to that contract at the end of 2019. Mm-hmm. 100%. Robert Kraft was indecisive on this whole entire thing. He viewed Tom Brady as a son. He was appreciative of everything that he did for the organization, as I am. And he, that's why he forced Bill to trade Jimmy Garoppolo. Mm-hmm. Bill had his vision for the rebuild. Robert Kraft didn't agree with it, and he didn't fall through through with it at the end. Yeah, I mean, like, listen, I I guess it's just a difference of opinion, and I don't think we're ever gonna change our. You we know, we're never opinions. gonna agree on this. Yeah, and but just you know, you don't for say. me, for me, it's hard. <laughs> for me, it really is hard to imagine that Jimmy Garoppolo would be any better than what he is right now with the 49ers, Right? I mean, the guy thirty-eight and thirteen. Yeah, and sure, that's the positive, but there's a bunch of negative with that as well, where he's missed, what, 25% of his games? I forgot what the stat is, but it's a large amount of his starts that he misses. And when we did see him on the big stage, we did see him overthrow a receiver that a that even Puma himself said the next day, and this is when Puma was still in the Brady hate train, said that Jimmy Garoppolo missed that throw, but Tom Brady would have made that throw in the Super Bowl to win the Super Bowl for them. So, like, I understand he has compiled stats, but... Ultimately, with all the information we have now, it seems that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be looking for a job next year because he can't perform at a high level. And Tom Brady is still going strong and probably will be the starting quarterback for the Buccaneers next year. For me, like I, that's just the way I look at it. It's a very like analytical, like this is still happening. I, like I understand what you're trying to say. If this happened, if that happened, if you know Bill Belichick could put a protective field around Jimmy Garoppolo so he doesn't get hurt, like I understand all that. It's just not the way I see football. Again, at the end of the day, who, based on the entire line of history of the NFL, could have predicted that Tom Brady would be playing at the level he is right now at age 44? Bill Belichick? It it has never happened. It has never happened in the league. 
this wouldn't is it be a, the guy that what, sees him at practice. What we are, practice every what, single day? what we are viewing right now, will never be seen again from anybody. There are no quarterbacks in the league right now that will ever reach the level that Tom Brady is at. He is the absolute outlier and exception to anything that has gone on. And if you want to call that a fault on Bill Belichick, I think that's that's disingenuous, to be honest with you. Because at the end of the day, Belichick had his plan in place to succeed and move on from Brady and continue the success of the organization. And I firmly believe, in hindsight right now, that if Jimmy Garoppolo was the quarterback of the Patriots in the last five years, maybe they don't have that sixth Super Bowl. But they are in the playoff discussion every year. From 2016 or whatever, 2017, whatever year you want to start it at, to right now. They are in a better position right now with Jimmy Garoppolo as their quarterback than they are today. Yeah, And, and I, I think, think that's fair to say. Yeah, and I get your point that, you know, obviously nobody saw this coming, right? And obviously this uh, this hasn't happened before and, and all those things. We're all wrong in regards to, not me, but obviously people that didn't believe Brady can play until 44. But wouldn't the guy that's being paid $25 million a year and watches him every single day in practice have the ability to see that, hey, man, this guy is still throwing some lasers? Like, it's like if I can see it on my couch on a Sunday, how come the, the quote-unquote genius, and this is where I have serious problems with that name, why couldn't he see that, oh, well, listen, uh, this guy is not slowing down at all. So, like, explain that to me. Like, how do you spin that where, you know, essentially Belichick, was unable to to view Brady with a, a light that he's not slowing down. I mean, all you got to do is look at his stats in 2019. You like you guys love throwing the numbers around and the analytical numbers around. Tom Brady had one of his worst statistical seasons in 2019. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. And then last year he so like, a touchdown. And it was and, and 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 from uh let's see, from 2017 down, it was a decline in the numbers. Mm-hmm. Okay? So, again, Brady is the outlier, the exception, the greatest of all time. Proved everybody wrong. He carried the chip on his shoulder from when he was drafted in the sixth round. The absolute outlier out of all of this. And if you're going to fault somebody for that, uh, that that's that's disingenuous. Because anybody, anybody, anybody that you talked to, 2017, 2018, 2019, was questioning Tom Brady. They questioned him making the move to Tampa and that it wasn't going to work out. I was one of them, and you heard it everywhere, that they were not going to be as good as everybody thought they were going to be. And they exceeded the expectations again because of Tom Brady. He exceeded everybody's expectations from that. And you could say that you saw it coming and all this and that, but like that that's the blowhard in you when it comes to this. And the the, 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 the Tom Brady, you know, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna make it personal with this, but like you get what I'm saying when I when I'm talking about this is like the fans maybe did see it, but everybody that was in tune with the game, in tune with 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 the you know the experts, everybody didn't think it was gonna work out, mm-hmm. and it ended up working out because Tom Brady again greatest quarterback of all time. You're never gonna hear that from me. You're never you're not gonna I'm sorry you're never gonna hear anything different from me on that. And you know he continues to quote-unquote, break the NFL. The NFL. He, he continues to just just exceed everything. Yeah. And if you're going to fault a coach for not seeing that or wanting to move on and to, 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 to you know think for what's in the best interest of the team for the next decade plus, then that's on you. Because, again, at the end of the day, 
I really would have liked to have seen what Jimmy could have done. In again, in hindsight, trading the Super Bowl away because I doubt they probably win one in those five years. But they're going to be in the playoff hunt. They're going to be in the, you know that discussion of of teams that could make noise. You know now and probably probably for the next five years. Yeah, and last thing I want to say on this is just because uh, you brought up the numbers, I think it's, uh, I guess it's disingenuous to just stop at 2019 because last year Tom Brady did throw for 50 touchdowns and win the Super Bowl. Um, this year so far, he's he's thrown the most touchdowns throughout the league at you know 10 already in three games. So if we're going to use the stats, let's use all of them, okay? How, how is that disingenuous? I'm talking about Bill Belichick and the last few years of his of his time in, in New England. How is that disingenuous in any way? No, I'm just bringing to the table that at the end of the day, Tom Brady has not slowed down. Like, I mean, everything that, you know, we thought that, you know, Bill Belichick thought he was going to slow down and essentially him moving away, he'd, he'd slow down. It didn't happen. You're I'm playing into my point. You're playing into my point on this. Nobody I mean, saw it coming. Nobody saw this coming. Yeah, and, you know, Bill Belichick is the guy that's supposed to see it coming. He's the guy that you pay $25 million a year to. He's the guy that is your GM slash talent value slash coach. He's the guy that's seen him every single day for six years straight ever since took Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, I, I, I don't know how many more times I can say this. Like, I understand if <laughs> you drop somebody into practice day, you know, for one day and they were looking at Tom Brady throw and they're like, all right, well, I, I can't make a decision on this. But this guy saw this every single day. Like, he's the guy that should so, know. So the, so the fact that Tom Brady checked out, wasn't showing up to OTAs, was doom and gloom all season, played, again, 2019, his worst statistical year, you can argue for his career. Mm-hmm. You're gonna you're gonna put that on the coach, and the GM. No, I mean like I, I listen like I, I, that's I, what I'm, that's what I'm getting at. That's what I'm getting at. I mean, I, isn't I, the O optional an OTA? Uh, I, again, a guy has shown up for 17, 18 years of his career, always been committed to the organization, and all of a sudden he decides to stop. Mm-hmm. That's on the player. That's not on the coach. Okay, I mean, I, I don't understand how that, that translates to him throwing a football during the regular season. Like, I, I think after 17 <laughs> years, he's built up the, the, the I guess, the, the, the goodwill to maybe skip uh, an optional workout in, in the spring. Like, I, I don't get it. Like, I understand, like, you, you maybe... This, you come, this is where you my argument from... comes in. This is where my argument comes in about the wide receivers and about him, like, not putting in the time with his rookie wide receivers and his young mm-hmm. kids. Like, that's the time you do it. And yeah. the, again, you look at again. Look at his numbers from from that that Atlanta year down, decline, decline. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you, lo- you look at all that. You look at how he. Up, pl- yeah. Again, you you could throw twenty twenty out there. Again, it's an outlier. Nobody expected it. I don't know how. I don't know how how that's so hard to understand. Yeah. Nobody expected it. And we can do this all day, but at the end of the day, I I, I fault Bill Belichick for not, you know being smart enough to realize this guy is still throwing the ball at a high clip. I mean, at, at the at the core of it, Tom Brady was in a Patriots uniform at the end of 2019. And we I could still see him throw football at a decent level. I just don't understand how Bill Belichick couldn't see that. And immediately, the second he leaves, the next year, he's he's just blowing the doors off of, like, records and numbers, and he's essentially winning the Super Bowl. Like, I, I, I don't know how you can... It's more, I don't know how I can get more cut and dry than that. Again... You're missing my point when it comes to this whole thing, Jay. Come on now. Brady broke broke this. Like this Brady is the exception to anything that has ever happened. All right? If you're going to tell me there's a quarterback or a coach out there that's going to that would have recognized that, hell, 
Don Shula wouldn't have recognized that. Vince Lombardi wouldn't have recognized that. Well, can I say something? Can oh. I say something? Before that, getting you pissed off. Seriously, this is not a joke. I think Bruce Arians recognized that. No, he, he didn't. He took a chance on He took a chance on Okay, he's the GM? Guy. He's the one that brought him in? Okay, okay, okay. All right, let's back We're going to call... Okay, fine, 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 relax. Jason Light. Jason Light took a chance on him. A GM in an executive position. He, he took a chance on Tom Brady. He he saw, hey, man, this guy, he can still throw the football. Like, I'm going to give him a, a contract. Like, am I being ridiculous in saying that Jason Light saw something in Brady that Belichick didn't? No. Again, they had a loaded roster, Jay. Yeah, I'm sorry. There they had a loaded there. roster, Jay. Chris Godwin mm-hmm. was, a, was a great receiver the year before that. Mike Evans, we know what he is. All right? O.J. Howard was nothing 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 to... Uh, to slide on. Cameron Bright, same thing. They were all effective in 2019. The quarterback was the problem. All right? And you can make, you, you know what? You want to make that argument? Like, I, 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 I don't even want to, I don't even want to entertain it at this point because, like, you don't, you're, you're not grasping the point that Brady is the outlier in this entire thing. Belichick saw the decline in New England. Mm-hmm. He wanted to move on. It was evident he wanted to move on for five years. We should have seen what Jimmy looked like in New England, in hindsight. We should have seen that. And guess what? We wouldn't be debating how bad the Patriots are at this point if Jimmy's the quarterback. I am a firm believer of that because they would have had it uh, uh, figured out. You wouldn't have seen them spend $175 million on free agency. They wouldn't have needed to do that because they would have done that in previous years. And they would have made it, They would have, a, a, drafted probably differently. They would have signed players probably differently at that point. So, like, you want to speculate on all that? Fine. But, like, again, Brady is the absolute outlier of any quarterback who has ever played the game. He's the greatest of all time. There's nobody doubting that. And anybody who thought he could succeed at 44 is is is, is disingenuous in saying that you think you could do it. You're either letting bias come or you're just spitting out of your ass at that point. Okay, so what? Uh, and this is the last question now for you. I'm going to wrap this up. Like, what do you think? The, the GM for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers thought last year when he signed him. Was he being disingenuous or was he, what was his thought process? Uh, he was going for his job at that point. They had all that talent on the team. They did not have the quarterback. The quarterback was turning the ball over like crazy. Yeah. Brady, even at the end, was not turning the ball over. And they plugged up, they dropped him in to the perfect situation. That is what happened. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think it would make more, like, let's say Brady left and nobody signed him. Everybody, the whole league was like, oh, no, yeah, you can't throw anymore. Oh, go away. I, I guess I would see your point, but unfortunately, I just don't. I mean, the guy still went out there, threw for 50 touchdowns last year. He won the Super Bowl. He's he's playing at a high level this year. And, and unfortunately, the Patriots don't have anybody on their roster. And they've looked pitiful last year and this year. So I, I don't know how much more clear I can make that. And, you know, I'll just I'll say my last point, and then I'm done. Mm-hmm. What other team at that point was so ready to just drop in a quarterback who, again, was showing an ounce of decline in New England, but was still more or less close to an elite level at that point, could just drop that guy in and run with it? Mm-hmm. What other team? Oh, I mean, I, I mean, I don't have that in front of me. I can go back and look at it, but I think what was it? Uh, Titans. They wanted to essentially maybe sign. They I mean, weren't there. Were there. Some rumblings there. There were some Chargers, Chargers. rumblings there. They um, weren't there. Who else was there? Um, I mean, at the top of my head, I can only think of those two teams. But uh, you know, they, they, there was. They a weren't at the same Brady. level. They weren't at the same level. 
I think I think with Tom Brady of that running attack in uh, the Titans, uh, they would have been really good with AJ Brown that defense. They would have been really really good that year. They went to the AFC Championship game a year before. I mean, I, I don't know what we're talking about here. They were they were no, much better than I I, did, were, I disagree with that. 100%. The Titans the Titans went but, to the AFC Championship game against the, the Chiefs. The Chargers no Austin Eckler, Mike Williams, nope. Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry nope. at the time. No nope. defense with Derwin James and Melvin Ingram. Nope. They, they're they're wouldn't have worked. Scrappy. Wouldn't have worked. I mean, if he could if he could overcome Bruce Arians, he sure as shit could overcome Anthony Lynn in his clock <laughs> management. You had in you had you had, you had David on defense. You had um, uh, Shaq Barrett on defense there. Who they drafted? You had, mm-hmm. you had um, Chris Godwin. You had OJ Howard. You had Cameron Brait. You had you had Chris Godwin. Well, what's um and Ronald Jones? Ronald Jones was not was wasn't nothing to talk yeah, about. Yeah, but Ronald at that Jones has too. been in the doghouse for the last three years. Austin Eckler is a proven three commodity. years. Three years? I, I disagree with that. Okay, hold, 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 two hold years on. because every time he fumbles a football, Burge, he ends up in the doghouse, and we have to see playoff Lenny, who can only get seventy yards on eleven carries, and is just ineffective in the running back position. So seven like, seventy yards on eleven carries is ineffective now. Okay. When you look at Austin Eckler, a proven commodity that can catch the ball at the backfield like James White, and can bounce in between the tackles and rush for hundred yards and two touchdowns, yeah. That is not uh, a bridge too far to grasp that Austin Eckler is a better running back. R- over those Ronald Jones combined. Ronald Jones started nine games in 2019, rushed for 724 yards. Had 31 receptions. He had 31, 31 receptions for 309 yards in 2019. Like, yeah. come on now. Yeah, and, what are we uh, doing I, here? What I are we doing at, here? I just looked it up uh, January 19. Um, was it 2020 was when the Titans and Chiefs played in the FC Championship game. Um, so, I mean, like, if you were went to the Chiefs, uh, the Titans would have been, uh, I think, uh, what was even the argument at that point? Why are we trying to bring up the Titans and the Chargers? You brought them up. I, we're talking about where Tom Brady could have gone, where he would have had the success that he had oh, yeah. in Tampa. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah, so that's my point. So, if they, I guess, you know, in my in my logical sense, if the Titans made it to the FC Championship game before Tom Brady hit the market with Ryan Tannehill... I would venture to say that with a Tom Brady on that team that went to the AFC Championship game could possibly win the Super Bowl. I don't think that's a bridge too far to make that statement. So, so they're just going to completely change their offense at that point. Yeah, mm-hmm. with a, with a rookie AJ Brown, do you think AJ Brown is what he is at that point? No. Uh, Bart, no. They, went to, they went to the AFC Championship game. In I understand that they ran the ball. Oh, they ran the ball the whole time. Okay, they're going to so change like, their whole uh, offense with Tom Brady. So they're going to change Tom, their whole offense. Because Tom Brady's going to want the input. Tom Brady's going to want the input. They ain't so going to run the ball like that. Is, your argument is if you put Tom Brady on the Titans, you make them worse? Because that's what you're saying. I think that their offense looks a lot different. Their offense looks a lot so different. worse or better? And th- worse. We'll say that they're worse. Okay. Yes. All right. All right I mean, Tampa, I Tampa, was the, Tampa was the best spot for him to fall in, given the, what they had there mm-hmm. at the time. Yes, 100%. They were smart to go out and sign him, yes, because they dropped him in and boom, ran off. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, yeah, they just dropped him in, and obviously they didn't work on it during the regular season, and they didn't turn the offense over to him by the end of the year. Yeah, they didn't do any of that stuff. That's fine. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. They had all the talent in place. They had all the talent in place. Yes, you bring in a forty-three-year-old quarterback who's been in the league for twenty years, who has been again was the greatest of all time before he went to Tampa. Mm-hmm. So you drop him into that that talent, absolutely. You take right off. 
Yeah. All right, well, listen, I mean, I have nothing else to say. Uh, Puma, if you want to wrap it up, uh, you can go ahead, sir, unless you want to get anything else in, Burge. It's been uh, this is fucking an hour and uh, an hour, uh, 145 minutes. Wow, that's probably the longest podcast ever. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyone? Anyone? Go once, uh-uh. go twice. All right. Good. The bell has rung. This, uh, this Thank fucking time. God. <laughs> oh, oh, that was a fun time. I had a grand old time. This episode of the, my two Mountain <laughs> This episode of the pod, in previous episode of the pod, and you're getting a bonus because you have our actual regular game four, uh, week four game preview in the uh, podcast feed coming your way too. Can be found on SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcast, YouTube, Apple Podcast. Be sure to leave a five star review for the Apple Podcast. It helps with the algorithm get us uh, exposure to the masses. Facebook, Instagram, Pro Football Radio Podcast, Twitter at PFR Podcast. I'm on the Twitter machine, Brando underscore Puma. Jay Chima, the captain of the ship, is on at Jay Chima. And our senior contributor, senior analyst, Eric Burgess, aka The Burge, is on the pod at uh, on the Twitter machine at Burge the Goalie. Like, subscribe, download, hit us up on social media. And enjoy, and enjoy the week four slate, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Oh man, can't wait for Sunday night. Gonna watch, oh, yeah. uh, gonna watch a great game. All right, well, listen. I hope you guys enjoyed, and we'll talk to you guys next week. We'll be back here to recap uh, the, the the fallout from Brady versus Belichick. Bye, Condio.